Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Copla Connections, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsyllabus. We're here for episode 46 or 45, depending on how you look at last week's episode. Was there a Copla Connection? We are yet to find out. Again, if anyone knows anyone who worked on Lady and the Trump 2, Scamp's Adventure, please do get in touch. But enough of that. What we do here on this podcast is we watch every single film in the Coppola family filmography to determine are they the greatest film family of all time. And I don't do that alone. No, 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 no. I do that with uh, guests. And this week I have two fantastic guests, Theo and Annette, from the fantastic uh, Groundhog Dames podcast. And it's an absolute gem of a podcast. If you're not listening to it, Get on over there. Theo and Amy are doing some amazing stuff and they're just a joy to listen to. And I'm sure once you've listened to this episode, you will definitely agree with me. They are they're fun. They are uh, informative. They are well-researched. They're great. Uh, so, yeah, the film we are talking about is the 2001 Michelle Gondry film, uh, Human Nature, written by Charlie Kaufman. And uh, this one, yeah... If you haven't seen it, go out, go and check it out. It's it's not streaming anywhere or anything like that. I don't I don't think uh, gonna have to buy a physical copy, but it's definitely an interesting one. It doesn't get brought up in a lot of the conversations when people talk about Charlie Kaufman's work or Michelle Gondry. It kind of seems to have slipped through the cracks, but it's definitely worth the chat uh, and and a kind of um, an exploration. And that's exactly what we do here. There will be plenty of spoilers throughout our conversation, so you are warned. So if you're still with us, I guess you don't care for spoilers or you have watched the film. I'm sure the conversation will be just as fun if you've not seen the film at all. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, we're not, we're, no, no, there are plenty of big spoilers for the climax of this film and all sorts. But with all of that out of the way, all that's left to do is to move to the wilderness. Let your natural body hair grow out and live wild. Not get tamed by the common man. No, let's make some Coppola connections. Hello, 
Today, we're getting wild. I'm talking covered in hair, raised in the woods wild. We're going fully crazy wild out here as we talk the 2001 Michelle Gondry-directed comedy drama Human Nature, written by our old boy, Charlie Kaufman, and starring Tim Robbins, Reese Barnes, Miranda Otto, Rosie Perez, Peter Dinklage, and today's Coppola connection, Patricia Arquette. Joining me to determine, are the Coppola family better off roaming the wild as the greatest film family of all time? Should they be tamed and civilised? Two halves of the amazing Groundhog Games podcast, Annette and Theo. How are you guys? Hello. Hello. We're very <laughs> professional. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, I really switched it on. I'm like, oh I my know. god! I feel like, like we need it. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I feel. I'm sweating. <laughs> it's not even started yet. <laughs> hi, hi, Fetchers. <laughs> you will learn very quickly that that is that is scripted. The rest of this is unscripted. Oh, and I will go. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's freeform jazz from this point. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Love it, um, jazz flute. <laughs> So just so listeners can determine who is who, um, Theo, can you say hello? Hello. <laughs> and Annette, just so we can determine your voice. Uh, hello. <laughs> that was more like a question. That wasn't really. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got you here by duress. Can we, can we, can we, can we say you are not a lab experiment right now. I'm not, I'm not trying to civilise you in any way. This is, this is, you're here by your own free will, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I'm questioning myself now. Oh, that was funny. Temp- really tempted to say something else, but hello at that moment. But yes. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, before we get started on this, tell us tell us a little about uh, a little bit about Groundhog Games. Like, what is the kind of premise of your podcast, and what do you do over there? We ask ourselves the same question <laughs> every time we go to record. <laughs> um, I mean, Thea's has a lot more pro with the explanation of what we are. I would say we're we're like a hobbyist podcast mm. that came about during lockdown. I think a lot of podcasts happen during lockdown <laughs> just because. What else are you going to do when you sit at home? Um, yeah, and it's that thing of, I mean, it sounds really big-headed, doesn't it? It's that thing of, we thought we were having really interesting chats. Definitely. And <laughs> maybe other people would like to listen. That's exactly uh, what happened, yeah. I, I think. It started off with WhatsApp chats, basically. We find ourselves recording longer and longer messages. And then it was like, let's just put it all together. And then that's sort of how... It started. I think it was definitely prompt by the film quiz we did every like Wednesday. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a backstory to the Groundhog Day. It was our film quiz team name because again, mm-hmm. something everybody was doing in lockdown: virtual quizzes. <laughs> so I mean, but me, Theo, and Amy used to go to uni together, so we've known each other for a really long time. Amazing. Um, it's, it's it's nice to know that you guys have developed the confidence of like most straight white men. Do you know what I mean? Like straight white <laughs> men have had that idea of like exactly. our voices need to be heard. Like for all these years. That is like it's kind of yeah, it's kind of, Oh it's, god, yeah, it's so that's so true. Yeah. Well put, well put. That's exactly what we're angling for. Yes. We could use that. That's yeah. great. We're gonna use that as a tagline. <laughs> yeah. As like yeah. a like a quote, like, yeah, that would be great. But yeah, put it in a kind of like a, a reef. Like mm. you know, like when there's quotes on like an Edinburgh poster, or yeah. Like a, or pretend a, you're the like, Times. Yeah, like a, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Caged yeah. in, like like I'm a like I'm a big deal. I'm I'm just another 
straight white man who thought, uh, yeah, yeah, people need to know what I want to say about the films of Nicolas Cage and the wider Coppola family. So I'm I'm guilty of the same thing I've just uh, leveled out. <laughs> I mean, why not? It's that thing of, so, I mean, big props to Filmageddon because they had their own mm. podcast and it's just that thing of, well, if they're doing it, like, why can't kind we of inspiring it? us to do our own version, yeah. Yeah, and I don't I, know. It's just nice. It's nice when you've got listeners that aren't your mum, <laughs> like yes. that wanna, you know. Here we've got people in Indonesia listening, in Germany. Yeah. So it's like actual strangers wanna which is tune really in, nice. Which is nice. And I yeah. think there is a bit of excuse of like forcing us to get together because I think yeah we really want it to like hang out. And it's like oh, it's sort of like a nice way to hang out in public, like <laughs> where people could hear our thoughts, which is a bit crazy and wild, but. It's I think we're fun. Well, that's... Yeah. Yeah, as a listener, I can say I very much enjoy your podcast. Oh, yeah, thank but... you. <laughs> you have to say that, but thanks. <laughs> so uh, one of the questions I always like to open up podcasts with is learning a bit about how you guys became aware of the Coppola family. So whether it was that entry point to the family, like was there somebody who kind of, yeah, like you were like, oh, they're a Coppola. But when did you realise that there was a wider sprawling network of family members let's start with you Annette like yeah where was your entry point and when did you realize there's loads of them I was trying to remember <clears throat> so I <clears throat> I just asked you before we start recording about you know does your son know about Nicolas Cage I feel like I have always known Nicolas Cage existed but I can't pinpoint why mm-hmm. um I, I remember my neighbors being really into face-off they'd gone to see it like my neighbors were older than me I've talked about this story like my neighbors were older than me and they kind of introduced me to films that I shouldn't be aware of <laughs> um and they had gone to see face I mean when was this end of the 90s they'd gone to see face at the cinema and then were telling me about it and raving about it and just describing and it was always worse hearing the description of films uh-huh. that I wasn't able to watch than actually seeing it myself um so describing like that this guy he doesn't have a face and he's right um and just being aware that he was called Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. But City of Angels is probably the first movie that I watched with him in it, which is quite <laughs> a contrast. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Meg Ryan with the oranges mm-hmm. made me cry so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but knowing he was related, again, like, I don't know where that came from. It's just a fact that I seem to have known. Um, mm-hmm. But watching The Godfather with my granddad, I must have been about 12 years old um, and just knowing then that somehow they were related in some way but I have to say I didn't realize how huge the family was until you asked us about doing this podcast <laughs> True. Uh, that is, that, that there's is a so general... many of them like I had no idea <laughs> yeah that is a general question and I guess like I've asked you yeah the, the film you've picked uh, features Patricia Arquette who I don't know some may say is like I'm stretching it a bit by including <laughs> her, but like she was married to Nicolas Cage from 1996 to 2001. So like that, like she was, I imagine if the Coplas had a Christmas dinner, she was there. Oh, so like for me, there, she's yeah. in. Again, had no idea they were. And then I'm a little bit obsessive about stuff. So I, I did do my homework. I, I went down a little, we, we talk about rabbit holes all the time mm. in our podcast. I went down a little rabbit hole of just, the timeline of their relationship and what happened in their relationship and how they got together. I had no idea. You've you've opened up a new world mm. to me <laughs> that I didn't know existed. Like, it's nuts, basically. 
But of course did it's you, nuts because it's Nicolas Cage, but yeah. Did you see the the um, Patricia Arquette interview where she talks about how her and Nicolas Cage got together, <gasps> which is a kind of... I think I've read it. It's just the, the JD Salinger thing. She, like, set him basically like a... Uh, like a quest. Like a, what? Yeah, like a quest. Yeah, like, if oh, you Theo, can get you me, know? like... No? What is this? Yeah, it's like, if you can get me, like, a raven's feather, if you can get me, like, oh, wow. an original copy, like, signed by JD Salinger of um, like one of his books. If you can do... If you can basically do all of these things, like a, a I will marry orchid, you. A black orchid, which does yeah. not yeah. exist. Yeah, she'd marry him. Apparently, Chris Bink, so they met in a diner. I'm talking about it like I was there. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> she, she met randomly Nicolas Cage and Crispin Glover in a diner. I think she was 19. And uh-huh. they both said that they would marry her. Oh, <clears throat> wow. Obviously, Nicolas Cage was a little bit more serious <laughs> than Crispin Glover. Um, so kind of to put him off, yeah, she, she gave him tasks they needed to complete before she would consider it. And Nicolas Cage fulfilled every single one that of them. That is really cool that he it's did It's cool, it. but it's also a little bit creepy, right? Because he turned up yes. at her house with just like All random stuff. stuff that he would leave and then drive off on his motorbike and then come back randomly again. With the ne- like, so uh, Black Orchid doesn't exist, but apparently he stood outside her front door with an orchid and black spray paint and sprayed the orchid black and handed it to her and then drove off on his motorbike. Like it's, it's like Taskmaster. She's original. She's original Taskmaster of our time. Exactly. I mean, it's Great. kind of romantic, but it is a little bit <laughs> terrifying at the same time, don't you think? Yeah. I- and I, I feel like I feel like dating in the 21st century is kind of like jumping through hoops anyway. So mm. like being made to jump through literal hoops as well would just kind of, I think would burn me out and I'd be like, I'm I'm gonna forever be alone at this point. Maybe this is a new dating app we can come up with right now. Just Taskmaster. Yeah. Maybe we could yeah. work with him. A, a little tie-in. <laughs> a little tie-in, yeah, a little tie-in, get get Alex Horn and Greg <laughs> Davis on, it's on, big on bucks. the payroll. It's big bucks. Come on, this oh. could be the next uh Next oh, Hinge, next Tinder. Why not? Why not? You should definitely <laughs> jump on it. That's Amazing. mad. But I feel like Nick Cage like thrives on it though. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think the list people will be like, are there more? You know, like want to do more. Well, yeah, just to round off this story. So uh, she got a bit scared. They didn't talk to each other for a while. And oh. then they randomly bumped into each other at the same diner. And she wanted to know that he was still serious about her. I don't know how she proved that, but in the end, it all reversed, and she ended up proposing to Nicolas Cage, Stop. wearing latex and carrying a, a wedding cake up to his front door. And he was like, "I found the one." Obviously, <laughs> obviously, what more <laughs> oh, would wow. a guy want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long were they married for? Oh, Maybe six years. Oh, oh. Six years of madness. They should write a biography. There's probably some crazy stuff. Yeah, I think Nicholas Cage is on his marriage like <gasps> now. So. Yeah, he's got a few now, hasn't he? Oh, I didn't yeah, know so. that. Neither did I. Because we watched uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, yeah. and I believed that he was married to like a Sharon... Yes, And then I Googled no. it, and I'm like, no, he married Lisa Marie Presley as well. Oh yes, that oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. To 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 truly solidify his love for Elvis Presley was like, what's the kind of? Yeah, he just seems to be really into scavenger hunts, right? And collecting <laughs> stuff. He's like, you want a black orchid? I'll do that. I I guess that's why he I don't know, took on the role 
yeah, it's weird the whole Black Orchid thing because it kind of ties into this film somewhat because of the Charlie Kaufman connection with uh, adaptation yes. with mm. the whole like kind yeah. of ghost orchid Ooh, thing. Oh my god! That. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Real life and movies blending. We love talking about this. We topic. do love. Yeah, that. I think so, Nicolas Cage's life is just one whole movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. I guess Benjamin Gates in the National Treasure films. Yeah, he just loves mm. a scavenger hunt. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We need to get Nicolas Cage on Taskmaster. That's going to be... <laughs> he's going to like... I don't know. He's going to go way too far. That is not funny. <laughs> like everyone will be like, Ugh. And then, yeah, I don't think... I don't know. Who would you put it? <gasps> There's a celebrity Taskmaster, like Nick Cage level. Tom Cruise. Oh, oh my God. God. It's going to yeah. be... There'll be planes and rockets. <laughs> <laughs> I think something needs to fund this as an idea. This is like the ultimate reality TV show we're coming up with right here. We've got a dating app and a reality TV show. This is really lucrative for you, I've got to say. Ho- Hollywood, if you're listening. We're, yeah. We're, 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 we're writing some checks. You've just got to cash them. <laughs> so, Theo, when did you become, yeah, what was your entry point to the Coppola family and when did you kind of become aware of the, I don't know, the spider's web that they are? I think, well, face off. Annette was saying that that's my thing I would I don't know why growing up I think because I grew up in Hong Kong because there's this John Woo movie Face Off was massive like I was a bit obsessive about Face Off like it it pigeons and all like and I think I watched that quite a bit and then Con Air kind of like went on a bit of like Nick Cage journey City of Angels as well but I never really got onto the Coppola train like I didn't see the link really I just like in translation like I know of them and then I think it probably through Annette you know actually we would talk about stuff and then like nuggets of things I'd be like oh actually did you know that's when I know like the link but the wider web to be honest it's all to you (laughs) I learned that it's like a I I think I was saying to Annette it's like a Kevin Bacon situation where Mm. like everyone knows Kevin Bacon Kevin Bacon's linked to it but I genuinely didn't expect all these people are linked together and that how like Maybe I'm just like not aware of this and, you know, kind of live under a rock and that. That like, it's massive. It's like, a, it's not just a tree, it's like a massive one that like people that I'll be like, how are this person related to this person? Which, I'm going to um, top you in. You did call them a cult earlier. <laughs> yeah, I did call them a cult. I feel like <laughs> they are trying to start their own copula cults, I think, like deep down. Like, I, I think there's a lot of like connective tissue between like obviously Francis Ford Coppola's like you know, a lot of people see as his like crowning jewel being the godfather mm-hmm. and it feels like a kind of like a mob mentality to the family. <gasps> it's like kind of being oh, in the family okay. business. Yes. Because oh, I never some, thought of that. Yeah. Somebody like um, Jack Schwartzman, mm. who, yeah, it's Jason Robert and um, Robert's my, uh, dad. Uh, um, wasn't wasn't kind of a film producer before he married Talia Shire, and then it's oh, kind of like you, even you that have these, I didn't know. You blew my mind with that because yeah. of your podcast. I did yeah. not know Adrian <laughs> from Rocky was related to any mm. of them. Like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, Talia Shire is yeah Francis Ford Coppola's sister. So obviously that's why she's in no, I Godfather, and then she's Jason Schwartzman's mum. It's kind of. It's all crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like how they kind of all connect. One thing I say on this podcast a lot, I've probably said it way too much, is, yeah, if you look at someone like Spike Jones, 
Mm. It's the fact that, like, Francis Ford Coppola was originally given the script to be John Malkovich yes. direct. I've and learned that from my little uh, <laughs> Google like, uh, rabbit hole that I did. I no idea. Yeah, and, and then it's like, he's obviously said to the powers that be, like, oh, I have the perfect guy for this who is know, my daughter's boyfriend, husband that at the is time. So whichever mad. the timeline is. So it's it's that weird thing where careers are kind of you the way you the way you can look at it, obviously, but for my benefit, it's like, yes, there is no Spike Jones without the Coppola. Yeah, yeah, without the Coppola family or yeah. even further back. It's like Francis Ford Coppola was on the set at Warner Brothers and um George Lucas had won a competition at UCLA to visit the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. And Francis Ford Coppola spotted another guy who was under the age of 50 with a beard. And was like, <laughs> hey, what are you doing here? Like, you're young. You're, you're, you're kind of like... Why do you have a beard? <laughs> yeah, 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 like, why, why, why do you look like me, basically, as a yeah, spectacled yeah, yeah. younger man? Yeah. Because I think, like... Warner Brothers had been operating that it was like the same guys had right, been like right. on staff and like uh, I don't know kind of um, part of the crew of these films since like the golden age. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So they were kind of like maybe in the thirties had started out, yeah, as, as young guys. Now we're all like yeah, twenty, thirty years old. Now they were kind of sixty years sixty years old. So like yeah, Copeland kind of took him under his wing, and it's. So mad, and th- yeah. There's no. There's almost like there's an argument. There's no Star Wars about Coppola kind of. Giving oh wow, that's a nice kind of... episode name. <laughs> you need to do a Star Wars episode. Well, I, 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 I keep. I always joke on May the Fourth and say like, uh, "Happy, there is no Star Wars without Francis Ford Coppola taking George Lucas under his wing and giving him a leg up in Hollywood." Day like that's the, that that's is. that's May the fourth to me. Like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, not as catchy, but yeah, <laughs> it's all about. Oh, it's so sad, but it is quite. A, it's a connection world, like the film world. Like, I, I do think, like, yeah. and it's like now I know, you know, done it all wrong. We should have got to the Coppola family in it. <laughs> so yeah, there's so many like, of them. We could have married one of them. I'm sure. Yeah, could have got in. <laughs> But that's um, you know, it's very, very interesting. Honestly, without you, like, <laughs> mind blown, like this world. You know, I love all, I love all this. It's like we always say this uh, in movies where they've got the the board of the red string and everything yes. just interlinked. This is it. This is our <gasps> red string moment. You need to do a red string moment. Well, the way I look at it is, yeah, talking about red string moments. I I always like think of myself as that episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. With Charlie smoking yeah. a cigarette with the red string. That's kind of the energy I have. Like the kind of the manic, like, did you know that, that this person connects to this person? And, and like, like I, I've kind of developed like a Rain Man-esque quality about me that it's someone can say you, to me. Can you live your life without seeing some kind of connection? connection. It's like no, it it's all like, links. It all makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's like a beautiful mind. Yes, yeah 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 i just see all these like <laughs> yeah and i was yeah i was speaking to my son's mum earlier about mm. about somebody cropping up in a film and immediately she went is it nicholas cage <laughs> and I was like, no it wasn't nicholas cage it's 
it's actually somebody you would have a, have some interest in okay <laughs> oh like this isn't all I think about like as much as I don't know yeah but it's have not, you ever it's, thought about taking oh go on sorry Theo go on no no I was just about to say like oh god I lost it now it's okay I'm you so go. sorry I was gonna say have you ever thought about taking your knowledge to like mastermind or something and you know oh, yes and <laughs> some and some prestige and some awards from this well, that would be good yes I, I don't know, I have too much self-doubt in myself like at uh, the best of times to like do you know what I mean like uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be too fearful of the I, I told you so Twitter guys to ever put myself through that <laughs> you get that one thing wrong uh, and they're on you like oh you well, said you got a podcast about it and you don't even yeah I get you yeah get the you. well fair, actu- fair. yeah I, I I don't have time for the well actually sort of yeah the world, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah before we get before we get bogged down too deep down in my my insecurities online uh i must ask you have you guys ever had the pleasure of meeting a copla at all no oh i said that so sadly maybe an undiscovered copula <laughs> i don't know if they're like dinosaur fossils maybe they all know that they're copulas <laughs> i found one in hyde park just roaming about looks like a copula <laughs> I'm going to say I did learn a very <clears throat> interesting fact about women I work with, though. So from no, I didn't try to find out this information. It just came to me. No, mm-hmm. no effort required. Oh. Um, and she didn't know I was doing this podcast or anything. So last week I found out a lady I work with has met Nicolas Cage. Nice. She's had shots with him. 20 odd years ago. Yeah, I know. I know. So, okay, to give you the, the backstory, this is a really boring backstory, but um, <clears throat> we had an, I work in a school. We had an inset training day. I had to work in HR, so I wasn't involved in this team quiz building thing that they did. But the quiz was, involved people having to give facts that other people wouldn't know, and you had to guess. And because uh, I wasn't there, the, the finance lady who's been brought up in our podcast, the, the one I got obsessed with, the, uh, the Johnny Depp trial, she, yeah. she, she told me some of the answers, and it was like, so-and-so's got different colored eyes, like, sure, sure, sure. Someone was an acrobat when they were a kid, sure, sure, sure. Someone had shots with Nicolas Cage. I'm like, what? What, what are you? What? And Back I up got a second. so <laughs> excited about it. I had to go and find Roz around the school. And she's like, yeah, 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 20 years ago. Uh, uh, in the, the Treasure Island Hotel in Las Vegas, they went to the, the bar <laughs> at the top of the hotel. And she said he was just there and he was the most Nicolas Cage you could ever want him to be. He was in a snakeskin jacket, uh, purple shirt and these garish boots and was just like, you know, center of attention. And she said, we were being very British. We're like, would you mind if if we had a photograph with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come on over. They took a picture (laughs) with him. They took a picture with him. He was doing shots. He's like, have a shot with me. They did the shot there. She said, "We, we were very British. We didn't want to stay. So they just left him to it. He was, you know, Hosting the room, I guess, and uh, they have that picture on their fridge. That is and amazing. Like, That's amazing. I, I was I like, can it. I, I use it. this on the podcast I'm going well to? Well done. Just, yeah. No one else cared in this quiz, and I was just <laughs> beside myself and just like, I yeah. It was like the best Ama- thing I'd ever discovered about anybody I work with. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was going to be because I know that Nicolas Cage, like New Year's Eve 2019 into 2020. Um, in like a social club near Bath, just Ooh. turned up and bought everyone like drinks for the night. So I, I wasn't mean, sure whether you were gonna tell me that, in like, Bath? Yeah, what you... an odd, what? Yeah, <laughs> he mean, used to yeah. own a castle in Bath. Of course, like, so of course he does. 
<laughs> no, but this was Las Vegas. But I mean, I would expect him to be in Las Vegas. I wouldn't expect him to be in Bath. But what does he yeah, not but... own the castle anymore? I'm not sure if he does. I think he may have sold it because of. I think some of the unbearable weight of massive talent is true. Nicholas Cage. Well, it is true. Nicholas Cage had massive debts. Yeah. Hence his kind of 2010s output a lot of the time within films. Uh, right. So yeah, he owned the Lalori uh, like house in uh, New Orleans as well, like the, the kind of most haunted house in. Like America. This man. It's like yeah. Monopoly for this man. This is Monopoly yeah. board of the strangest <laughs> estate you can own. And there's like, yeah, he he outbid Leonardo DiCaprio for like a, a dinosaur skull at one point. And wow. it it transpired that the dinosaur skull was like stolen and he had to just return it. Oh, that's the, awkward. Like, oh. The, 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 the Mongolian like you know, like yeah, Parliament. Because it was like it belonged. It was like a Mongolian yeah. skull or something like that, and had to just be returned. Like Indiana so, yeah, Jones. This is he loves. He loves a scavenger yes. hunt. He's yes, exactly. Let's say yeah. Doesn't belong in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. my. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's very nice though. So you know, I mean, twenty years ago, he was very nice. <laughs> well, yeah, that 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 is obviously the constant fear of my podcast, right? Is like exactly. Is, I was going to say, like, yeah. What skeletons are going to come out of the closet? Because obviously, like, like. Yeah, like selfishly, it's like, ah, mm. oh, it's obviously an actor I really admire is a really bad dude. Yeah. And, and then it's like, all oh, this work I've put in. Yeah. Is, oh, no, don't. Is, it crumbles to the ground. <laughs> have, you, have you ever met, are you, are, we, are you getting close to, or have yeah. you met? So You went to the press, the press yeah, thing, you went right? Press night, was anybody yeah. there? Nobody was there, but I have, I have, like, I would say a couple of times I've, like, knocked on the door speaking to Nicolas Cage. So whilst doing that kind of um, speaking to PR company and, mm. like, um, people at Lionsgate, I put in a strong pitch to talk to Nicolas Cage for the mm. podcast. So I was like, if there's ever a time he should appear on a Nicolas Cage podcast. Yes. Surely I feel like he would love film, to do it. Yeah, and I was like, surely it's for a film yeah. where he's playing himself. I was like, that is kind of clickbait central, mm. right? Uh, mm. In like, it's a PR's wet dream. And I have, I have, I've emailed Nicolas Cage's manager, nice, um, and got a reply. And <gasps> I'm, I'm, I'm imagining from like the time in which the reply came from, and the fact it said like sent from iPhone. It was like seven o'clock in the morning, like US time. And just said, no, Nick's not like up for it at the moment. And then he corrected me because I'd spelt his name NIC, which I guess mm -hmm. is like a regular spelling of yeah. Nick. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he drops the H in Nicholas. And I got a response that said, yeah, Nick's not up for it, any interviews at the moment. And by the way, it's actually NICK. And it like my world was just kind of shocked to its very core. Does he actually go by N-I-C-K? Yeah, that's what he prefers to be called, yeah. And yeah, he, he prefers if it's spelt, I, I feel like that's like a now thing. <laughs> I feel like oh. it's the thing you decided. He seemed like the, no offence to Nick Cage, if you ever listen, like, if you're actually listening to this. I, I don't think, every single one of these. <laughs> I, I don't think you like a K in it. I just feel like you want to. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like that's so out of character. 
Well, like, I feel like I having feel a case like so a... normal. I, I yeah. think I probably would have been if it's like there's a silent queue or something in there. Yeah, missed out. That's very Nick yeah. Cage, but just putting a K on the end. Oh. Well, I like. I feel like it's an investigative journalist like podcast in itself in trying to figure out where that like misconception yeah. where that misconception came about that it's NIC like just NIC like like so I've tried I've done the I've tried to do the research like where did it first appear in an article like because obviously every like press note for the film is always referred to him as you know Nicholas. why you know why it's a very Elvis <laughs> thing isn't it Elvis, yes. his middle name Aaron. Is it two A's or is it one? Yes. Oh, mm. yes. Mm. Very good. I think he's just trying to get some legend going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's he going to put on his gravestone? He's probably got it all planned out. Well, no, he has he has a tomb already in New what? Orleans. Of course he, he does. <laughs> what does he that say? Down, man. <laughs> yeah, he has a pyramid tomb in New Orleans. Oh, my like God. national treasure. <laughs> Yeah, I... <laughs> this life is a movie. We've learned this. <laughs> there are traps yeah. in there and snakes <laughs> and a giant uh, boulder. <laughs> I spoke to one of the directors of uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Uh-huh. And the, he also directed the film Mum and Dad with Nicolas Cage. And he said when they first, like when him and his directing partner first met Nicolas Cage, um, they went to New Orleans and met him, kind of had drinks and ate beignets. And then Nicolas Cage just turned around to them and said, you want to see my tomb <gasps> and oh. they're like i guess so and, and we wonder like, why right. patricia arquette was concerned right that's, <laughs> that's a line it's terrifying <laughs> yeah do you want to see where i'm going to be buried for eternity <laughs> oh, as chat yeah. lines go come on <laughs> yeah that's kind of like uh, are we going to make a film of this guy i guess so like it's, got, it's always sounds like a fret do you want to see my tomb yeah Otherwise it's yours <laughs> I, I like to I mean, think in the years to come, you know how like they're digging up ancient Egypt and discovering things. And there's Nick Cage. Yeah, I like to think in like millennium to come, they're going to dig up and find Nick, Ta- uh, Nick Cage's tomb. Miss- and think he's and some kind the- of pharaoh. Oh my God, can you imagine? Some sort of god. Yeah, every finger will be decked out with a ring. will be like buried in a leather jacket yeah. and snake skin And then people boots. start wearing leather jacket or worshipping them. Oh, there, yeah. there it goes. Yeah, I love it. He's got a long game, I think. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's myth-making, and I love him for it. So uh, before we get, yeah, I feel like we're getting uh, deep down in a Nicolas Cage rabbit hole, which I'm loving, but I must ask you, what would have been the first Patricia Arquette film you would have seen? Uh, Let's start with you, Theo. Oh, God. To be honest, she's, okay, this is really bad. I apologize to Patricia. She's one of those people, like, I've always seen her, mm-hmm. but I've never remember, like, she's in it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So I think Human Nature is honestly the first time, like, she's, like, there in my face. But I remember, like, I swear she was in um, Holes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's I got written down. <laughs> like, that's, like, my, like, I feel like the first. And then... I think she's like in like Little Nikki. She is oh. briefly in Little Nikki. I remember because yep. she has that face. And there was actually, it's funny. I had this conversation with Annette. And I was like, oh, thinking about like Arquette. And I was like, oh, David Arquette. And I, I did not think about the sibling side. I went straight on like, is he married? But then they look the same. And I was like, oh, of course, they're related in a different way. Yeah, they're, they're, another, they're another kind of 
uh, media family, right? So mm. you've got you've got those two. You've got Rosanna. Mm. Um, you've got Ale- the the late Alexis Arquette. Like it's kind of like oh, yes. they're another one where it's like kind of yeah. Like I, and I love that they kind of intermingle mm. in like weird way. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. Nicolas Cage married another kind of family of, of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Kind of... keeping the dynasties going. Yeah, yeah. But uh, really, it's I think human nature is the one that really like kind of can stay with me. Perfect. What about you, Annette? What was the first uh, Patricia Arquette film you would have seen? Uh, so a little bit like Nicolas Cage. I'm going to say I don't know why I know her, but I seem to have always known her. Mm. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably inappropriate for the age that I watched it, but I remember Stigmata from when I was young. Yeah. And uh-huh. like probably uh- way too young to have watched that. And I don't know why that's really stuck in my... It did stick in my head. It's It's her and Gabriel Byrne, isn't it? Yes. And just, she suffers quite a lot in that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I think that's the first. But then Holes, obviously, because we, mm. did we all do Holes for for our English GCSE thing? We studied Holes Wait. in school. Really? I didn't we study. I wish it, yeah. I studied Holes for English. No. Yeah, no, we had to I do did. it. We read it. I did To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, no, that's very. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I did, I did, I did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I go to then? It was just holes, holes of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's like in my school. I remember some people doing holes, and like I don't, I don't know. It, I think it depended in which kind of. Well, that's a fun like, one to do. Group you were, do you know what I mean? Like what yeah. kind of? Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. So, for the teachers, because I, I remember, I remember like <laughs> the top group. The top group did uh, Catcher in the Rye. I think they thought like the Ficos, like <gasps> me, would be like. Hey, JD Salinger again. It's all (laughs) I would have like (laughs) the kid I was as a teenager. It's like I probably would have like uh, lapped up Catcher in the Rye and probably been like an absolute arsehole throughout (laughs) secondary school. So it's probably a good thing I never did Catcher in the Rye then. (laughs) But I just, I mean, to me, she's always had this um, reputation of being a really good actress, Mm. which I think has now come about. So, so she's kind of grown into the interpretation I had of her, you know, Mm. in boyhood. So I've I've watched her in um, most recent things I've seen her in are The Act and uh, Severance, a two Mm. TV series I've seen her in. Yeah. And especially in The Act, like she's really good. She's really good at being really awful, but (laughs) just really watchable as well. Oh, the, oh yeah, the act. Mm. Do, you know, do you guys know what that is? No, 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 no. I can't remember any of their names, but it's based on a true story of. Um, <laughs> it's really it dark. Scary. It's uh, I don't want to. I mean, spoilers, guys, spoilers. But she, <laughs> she, she makes her daughter believe that she's really ill. Oh, <gasps> the mun- yes, the Munchausen oh, syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. Post- I don't want to give away what happens. Okay. But like. I know, I know. I think I know the true story <laughs> that it's based on. Yeah, yeah. but she does and a great job she... because it's it's and... almost from reading the description of the story, you'd think you would hate her. Mm. She does a really good job of. She's awful, but you also feel sorry for her in some ways, and mm-hmm. I think she's just really good at giving like all round characters rather than just. Yeah, because I know that yeah. she's in the show Escape from Dannemora as well. Oh, it's the last uh ben stiller kind of directed tv show that he did before severance oh that is based on a true story i believe about uh, a prison break 
which stars Benicio Del Toro and uh, Paul Dano. Uh, shout outs to fellow podcasters. Is Paul Dano okay? Yeah. I recently covered the show. Um, but um, yeah, like I remember her saying in an interview, because in that, like she was, she, she put on a bit of weight for that role and was like, I'm ha- I was like, I was like, I was really happy to portray like a an actual woman and like oh, wow. she has like sex scenes in that and she was like, I was happy to like kind of get the jiggly bits out and like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. really, imp- like not have to bow down to um, you know, like Hollywood yeah. standards, yeah, stereo, yeah, standards of what like feminine be. beauty is mm. and stuff like that and like again i think in that she plays like quite a complex character stuff like that so i think she's she she's had a fascinating career mm. and kind of it's like I she's always been there but i feel like yeah. she's really an actress over a celebrity i think that's yes. what it is yeah like yes, you, you I, don't remember not it's not as a bad thing but you don't see her outside her movies which is quite nice mm. well, if you do she's on like twitter re- like really righteously like calling like uh yeah calling to power and being mm. like what you're doing is fucking bullshit do you know what I mean like mm. uh it's mm. not like yeah it doesn't feel performative or she's not like I don't know she's always had like um a sweet sincerity to her like uh we were talking about that, that interview where she talks about the kind of the courtship of Nicolas Cage mm. and there is this thing of like yeah she's maybe what I think that was a fairly recent interview so she's like 20 years on or so and it's like she, i don't know she just has this yeah she's very likable Na- without really trying yeah, mm. yeah exactly not like a naivety i i, I mm. guess the only other person i can equate her to it's like a drew barrymore where it's like mm. you've always been there yeah. and like there's something <laughs> yeah like, yeah th- there's obviously there might have been a darkness in the past but like you're still lovable like yeah. like not that obviously people yeah people can go through dark patches we, we all have but like there is this thing of like oh yeah like just just oozes cool and i think that's what something i i, I particularly love about patricia Arquette, and she's had yeah she's had an amazing career and i think i think i think we're you know, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more great things mm. from her as mm. things time slips on by so we've kind of yeah we've set the store of our <coughs> relationship with patricia Arquette. let's talk about human nature so who wants to take (laughs) the fun task of telling the listeners what this film is about Uh, theo (laughs) i'm not gonna throw you under the bus it's really i mean i it is how because i i forgot like so i was telling annette i did a whole thesis on charlie kaufman like in uni and I kind of forgot about it and human nature like I raved about it in uni I I completely forgot I did actually until you were like yeah you were always telling me about this yeah and then like I rewatched it I was like oh I remember why this film just like kind of how Charlie Kaufman is it's and and he actually said this he described it as like a comedy but sad Mm -hmm. and I think it is perfectly described it's about well three characters sort of very driven by sex is a very big theme throughout and manipulation and how there's a man in the wild and they discover it and they try to like conform him into how society built as like civilized and how it all went to shit a little bit at the end and people don't change and kind of 
it just carries on. And actually the people that are civilized are just as bad as the animal side of human beings. That's probably the worst synopsis you're going to get and nobody's going to watch this film. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't think many people have watched this film because I kind of like, I put it out on social media and like, I'm not sure whether it's because people aren't interacting with my posts, but like, it's not one that like not many people know about it yeah and it's really hard to describe it in a sentence as a synopsis to be like this is actually what it's about versus like oh it is just this as a story arc so yeah (laughs) well it seems fascinating in the fact that it's post being john malkovich Mm. but i think the kind of roots of it stem from before being john malkovich because i know that this like uh, Steven Soderbergh tried to get this off the ground in 1996. Mm. So I imagine this script was possibly kicking about before being John Malkovich. So it kind of, I don't know, it, it does feel like a, not, yeah, it kind of feels like a first feature script in a mm. way. I'm not sure whether mm. that is because it's the the first Michelle Gondry directed film as well. Like in the fact that, I don't know, yeah. So I did, I yeah, know. I read that as it's well. It's very it surreal. It got it got labelled as being unproduceable. That, mm. so you you're right in that. <laughs> that I wrote. That, you that, want that. my version of what I? <laughs> yes, yeah, I think yeah, that'll yeah, be more succinct about. It's not going to be well. No, but I. <clears throat> so so I said it's it's showing the duality of human nature. That's what it's called, mm. right? Nice, um, nice. And there's there's two male characters and two female characters, and they're both kind of opposite sides of the same. Uh, coin if you want or spectrum so you've got tim robbins who plays this psychologist and he's very um he's very obsessive he's very intellectual but not very emotionally intelligent for how smart mm. he's supposed to be um and you've got reese Evans, who's the complete counter to him of just being you know a wild man he's he's been brought up without civilization and then you've got um patricia arquette who you know, from childhood, she's been told that she's n- not going to be wanted because she's got some hormone um, mm. issue that just sounds so, as a plot, this just sounds really weird. It's like along yeah. the, at, at the same time, running at the same time, she's got a hormone issue, which means she's completely covered in hair. Mm-hmm. So in terms of it's natural because it's what her body's producing, but she's been told by her mum, you know, society's going to shun you. No man is ever going to want you. Mm. So she goes and lives in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> As you do, um, and then the, the kind of counter to her is uh, is um, Gabrielle, mm. who's like the lab assistant, and she is oh, she know, is the character. She's supposedly <laughs> everything that a natural real woman should be, or like mm. the expectations that a, a man has that every woman should be like. Right, I think Tim Robbins in the in the show in the film he says something like uh, she's so conventionally female or something. Mm. Yes. Um, so it's like they're they're playing like two sides of 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 each, you know, two sides of a male, two sides of a female, and it's just this weird love square that goes between <laughs> them all. It's like yes. a Tarzan. It's like Tarzan and My Fair Lady, but with Reese Evans in a box wearing a nappy. <laughs> yeah. So, what would have been your guys' introduction to this film? You said Theo that you, um, yeah, your feet, your 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 dissertation or thesis was kind of on charlie kaufman so would it have been then that you would have first watched this film yeah uh actually i think i watched it before then i didn't realize and then re-watched it and yeah and 
I do think I'm, the whole reality thing's always like been a bit of a fascination for me. Like, and I love when characters. I think that watching, you know, being John Malkovich or the Ch- Kaufman stuff, where people are just sort of horrible. And I do like there is this thing that I like when films are a bit like melancholy, like a bit like there's an undertone of. And it sounds really sad, but <laughs> sadness and reality. Mm-hmm. And I think watching that and the visual is really bizarre as well because, you know, it's very music video-like. And it's very, it's so, so confusing that it makes you keep watching it. And that's why I kind of kept going back. And uh-huh. But there is the time and space for it. And I think at any point that I rewatched it, I have a different feeling. And like I get something out of like it. It's a bit uh, very surreal. I don't want to say spiritual, but <laughs> it is a bit like, oh, okay. Like I feel like this is very relevant. There's always some sort of relevancy watching it, and it's not like a feel-good film because you don't. You feel a bit like, oh, a bit yeah. of, it's a bit of a sad, a bummer, what happens. But I don't know. I, I that's sort of how I've always felt, and I think I watch it. I don't actually remember the first time I watched it. It was definitely before I did the dissertation. I always kind of found it a bit of like a weird one. Um, that I put onto the side. Well, it kind of felt like it came up in a weird time as well, because I think it kind of premiered like just after nine eleven, and I think a lot of films in that year kind of, I don't know, maybe like got buried, like because obviously mm. the budget for this was eight point six million, didn't do particularly well because it made one point six million at the box office, and I, I I guess part of that is people expecting a bit more of the same like this mm. is very much sold on the thing of like a comedy from the creator of yeah. being john malkovich but as we've come to learn from charlie kaufman like no two films are really the same mm. like they're kind of like do you know what I mean they, they they will tackle a different kind of existential yeah. deep question whether it's like what is it to be a writer? What is it like? And it's like, mm. I don't know, Synecdoche, New York. I, I don't really want to even surmise what oh like, God, kind that of, is like the, a the, whole rabbit hole. Yeah, the <laughs> question of that, what is it to be? Do you know what I mean? It's like, what is it to capital B in that film? Or like, yeah, um, yeah his films kind of, I, and I've just recently downloaded his book, I think like um, on audiobook. And I'm, I'm almost scared to listen to it because I think I looked at the runtime and it's like 28 hours or something. Wow. Like that. I was like, that feels quite daunting. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a thinking film, I always think. It, it, it's sort of weird that it's labelled on the comedy because it is funny, but it, mm. it's quite a lot of layers to it. You're kind of going like, oh, okay, like, is that funny or is that actually like quite like hitting, hitting home? Yes. Which is, I think, what I, why I kind of love it. I mean, he's described it, so I, I found um, an interview with Charlie Kaufman and Michelle Gondry, and Charlie describes it as um, <clears throat> that people like to sort of simplify it to nature mm-hmm. versus civilization. And he said that the film is it's basically mocking that, that it's such a simple, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's such a simple idea that it can be brought down to. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really more about let me read this hold on he said it's really more about people being hurtful and lonely and trying to find a place and a connection and not finding it which if you try to describe the plot of the film you would never I don't think you describe it like that it Mm. it is that thing of 
it's using such kind of um, over-the-top, exaggerated uh, characters and situations, and they're kind of um, surreal and absurdist, but it's it's always reflecting something Deeper. real and truthful mm. yeah. that we find in everyday life. It's, it's just it's just exaggerating to it to an extreme with, I don't know, it makes it more watchable, maybe? Well, and I think it very much... Um, touches on points of kind of yeah like nature versus nurture but like mm. parenting as well like i guess the kind of yeah the the the, the doctor puff relationship mm. and like the fact that gabrielle and uh tim robbins character refer to themselves as mummy and daddy and it yeah. is that thing of i don't know like you're like He's obviously a scientist, and what he thinks he's doing is, and I guess it's that thing. I guess a question that I think about a lot as well, like what you think you are doing is right by your child, and like mm. it's like, is it though? Like, but like a constant fear of mine of being a parent is like, what is that little thing that I'm doing that is gonna like fuck my son? Up? Do you know what I mean? It's just oh, that constant. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I think the prime example is my son is like massively into watching Mario walkthroughs on YouTube. And, Interesting. Uh, and yeah, I don't know why. I don't know where the whole Mario love came from, but we were watching it like on my PlayStation or something like that. And my YouTube is obviously set up to me. Mm. And the ads are targeted to me mm. so we were watching it and an ad came on and it was for the black phone and i was like oh this is it i was like in that like five seconds it's taken before we can skip the ad the image of ethan hawk's character in the black phone i was like that's just, <laughs> gonna, just that's gonna ruin his life yeah, yeah, like, that's gonna be one of those moments about, like years yeah. later okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that, that's it. I was like, that's kind oh, of, no. that's the butterfly effect moment where it's like <laughs> his life could have gone one way, and he's like, that's terrified me. He did. He, luckily, he didn't mention it at the time, but that could be ingrained in his brain. And I think this film kind of touches on that as well. Mm. It kind of touches on that aspect of, I don't know, like, like generational. Can't think of like, Yeah. Generational trauma, I yeah. think, as well. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. Great quote, doesn't he? So Tim Robbins is always going to his therapist and he says that great yeah. quote about um it's something like, Don't reduce my what did he say? Don't reduce my passion to paternal indoctrination. Why did Picasso yes, paint? Yes. And the therapist said yeah, his yeah, dad yeah, was yeah, a yeah, painter. Yeah. Like it's it is literally is that. It it is it is. And it's and it's that thing of um it is nurture in your environment because he's adopted, isn't he? In the in the in the beginning, so his parents aren't his biological parents. This is all his obsessiveness and his compulsion, and this he's trying to teach mice table manners because he thinks this is going to save the world. It well, just I think comes it's also from his, trauma his adoptive as well. parents. Yeah, yeah, his parents were very strict, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he's trying. It's to not. It's not still... in, within his genes mm. as such. It's it's how he's been raised, and then he gets so offended when they've kind of replaced him haven't they yes they've, they've adopted another one and they're a much less strict with him one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tim Robbins' character is about the nurture side. It's about him yeah. being within an environment, and that's created the kind mm. of adult that he is because he's adopted so mm-hmm. it's not within his genes it's literally the upbringing that has caused this obsessiveness yeah. and and all yes. the quirks that he's and got we, um and we and we get it in that first scene where he has that date with lila right mm. where he says about like the, how the table manners and yeah and his 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 kind of his hatred for eight stemmed from his parents mm, and yeah at the zoo yeah, yeah 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 we get that flashback to their kind of like indoctrination of like animals are kind of disgusting and like yeah yeah yeah. she's yeah. about them belonging mm. in a zoo yeah yeah, yeah. so i i think it very much throughout the film kind of um touches on that and that but then it, it, it kind of muddies it as well right where it's that thing of like because there's the whole thing with the character of puff it's like he can't escape his kind of innate animalistic in- instinct mm. like he obviously yeah, yeah yeah when he's given freedom all he wants to do is kind of go back to those base urges mm. of kind of like going to strip clubs and flop houses and brothels and mm. of the such and it's yeah i'd like i i find it hard to pin down exactly what this film is trying to say oh yeah i think there's a muddle some... of lots of different, <laughs> different ideas a lot of messaging and... yeah yeah i mean i took uh out of it this kind of um the show that you put on for people so so you're saying you, you know uh Reese fans goes back to his urges it's like tim robbins i keep calling him by their actors names uh what's his name dr no, bernhoff is it 
he has the same urges, but he tries to kind of cover them up with his intellect and mm. and uh-huh. in a way it's like he, uh, he thinks he's better than Risa fans. He thinks he's, you know, doing him a favor by teaching him how to be civilized. But mm. um he he he's then just using him for for money, isn't he? He doesn't care about him. It's all for his own yeah. ego and going around those conferences and, and whatever and getting applause mm. um, from you know his contemporaries. Um, and really, if you compare that to Risa fans just being quite honest about what his base oh. urges are, yeah. <laughs> You know, Tim Robbins yeah. is the bad guy in that situation because he's just his motivations aren't really pure, are they? I don't even think yeah, yeah, yeah. he knows who he is. I think there's a lot about that. Yeah, about like yeah. no one really knows who they are. Like with Gabrielle, like she's American, putting up this French girl life accent <laughs> when like, but then she kind of loves it because she does it so well. Even her, like I don't know what her end goal is in the end. Hmm. It's like, oh, so is she just like following the Knicks? big thing like is that what it yeah. is because he's jumping the car like it's not that he's going to make money because at first I thought oh, was it was a wealth and fame thing it's like not really she just don't want to be herself just want to be this yeah. like version of herself I find a lot of this film is to do with acceptance and wanting to be accepted mm. and yes. like mm. portraying a version of yourself for other people well, yeah, to like you mm. pa- Patricia Arquette's character yeah. right, is that thing of she keeps getting like electronics yeah. to like get the get the hair removed from her body mm. and it's that thing of what does society seem as like acceptable mm. in the way you look and stuff like that and we see it in exchanges as well right like tim robbins keeps like flitting back and forward between who is kind of love mm. lies in yeah yeah like when when patricia arquette comes in to kind of strong arm him and lock him in the cage Oh, yeah, and she's like, I've got yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from that point on, he's kind of like then very distant towards uh, Gabrielle. And it's like that thing of like the grass is always greener, yeah. kind of yeah. <laughs> thinking, not yeah, what but you it... have. yeah, not not content. And it's human nature. <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> <laughs> we got there in the end. <laughs> I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I felt that this feels very much, especially for like an early Charlie Kaufman script, feels very kind of unfiltered Kaufman mm. in, in that when watching it, it's the closest you kind of get to Synecdoche, New York, where it's that thing of like, I don't know, you're, <laughs> you're always a bit confused about what's going on, mm. why things are mm. happening. In like, I don't know, I think a perfect example in regards to Synecdoche, New York, is there's a discuss, there's like a, a scene where um, character's apartment is constantly on fire, and there's like scenes in this where it's like I don't kind of know why this is happening, mm. but like it's happening all the same, mm. like and it, it kind of I don't know, yeah. What do yeah? What do you obviously, uh, Theo? You you wrote a dissertation on Charlie Kaufman, but I'd be interested to know um, from both of you, like. How do you feel about Charlie Kaufman writing in general? Let's let's start with you, you and it. Uh, I mean, we've said we've 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 talked. We had a podcast. Our very was it our first yes. one that we released? Yeah, yeah. Was yes. about Charlie Kaufman. Um, 
I uh, and I I I seem to always say this. I don't know why I like such and such, or I don't know right. But it is. I I've read something from him, and I think this sums it up nicely. Um, he said something about uh, when he's when he's writing, he he realizes that sometimes when he's writing, it's he thinks he's writing from something that he knows, and then he realizes that actually it's written from something he's seen in a film or from a TV show, and how you kind of appropriate things that you see on screen into your real life. Mm. And I mean, and they even they even say this in Human Nature. Risa fans at the end says like words are evil. Um, he he, mm. he said he's he compared it to a virus, and and said like movies and and images and things that people consume can take over your life. And in in his writing, in the scripts that he writes, his that the thing that he tries to convey the most is truthfulness. Mm. Even when the stories are completely absurd, that the, the the kind of pinpoint behind everything is he's being as honest as he can be about something related to himself. He's he's like, it doesn't need to relate to anybody else, but to me, this is the most honest thing I can write about. And uh, I wrote the quote down. I've written a lot of quotes down, guys. <laughs> he said, um, <laughs> if I feel like I'm doing something honest, then I feel like I'm not putting garbage into the world. And I think mm. that honesty mm. is something that really resonates with me because it never mm. comes like even there's always like this eccentric um I don't know if you'd say it's a genre of Charlie Kaufman but you you know you can tell when it's a Kaufman movie it's kind of the same mm. when you can tell it's a Michelle Gondry mm. movie there's always this air of eccentricity um but it doesn't feel stylized uh, to me it never feels put on it yeah. always feel, feels done in a really authentic way mm. do you know what I mean yeah, no. Yeah, I guess I I guess from the outside looking in, it can look like too smart for its own mm. good. I can see but that, like, yeah. Yeah. But, I love the confusion though. Like, I I yeah. like stuff that makes me sit and think. And yeah. not all the time. Like yeah. I love I love, you know, crappy mm. I, I said like we we've recorded a podcast recently about J Lo and I did a whole week of J Lo movies. <laughs> not that I'm saying J Lo isn't highbrow. I love a bit of J Lo, but like Made in Manhattan isn't making think, me sit and ponder about life. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but but I think like if Charlie Kaufman feels like he's speaking his truth, and I think it is, and it pertains to human nature as well. Like for him, he is living his truth. Yeah. Self. he's not putting on yes, airs and graces. Yes. And, and I really we we we're talking about this a lot recently. Authenticity. Mm. I want more of that, and I find that in Charlie Kaufman's work. And I like that he doesn't. You know, he's not churning out stuff all the time. Mm. So it feels like he when he, he brings something yeah. out, it's something special and he's really worked on it and it's it's meaningful. Yeah. Um, he doesn't sand off those sharp edges. Yeah. Which, like, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, and I guess it kind of relates to the film as well. It's somebody, like, I don't like, I heard a bit of advice. It wasn't given directly to me, but, like, um, somebody said, like, when going, when, when being on dating apps, mm. Just, just be your weird, the weirdest version. Just be you. Yeah. Just be the weirdest version of you, because like all of that time that you're kind of doing that kind of dance, that I guess, yeah, is is throughout this film of like, oh, what does this person mm, want me to? Yeah, do? living for someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
you're 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 not going you're, you're never going to find do you know what I mean it will the, wear the out eventually to, like there will be a point yeah, that it, yeah so yeah no I, I think yeah with Kaufman I think it nailed it. Like it's authenticity. Like he's very. I actually read, reread my dissertation, <laughs> and I wrote about he is because I was a bit obsessed with French New Wave, and, and and not saying he's art house, but he is very like the auteur. Like it is him, and he likes talking about the profundity within the mundane, which like day to day. And I think it's the characters which is so baffling, but they are very human. Like, okay, they're on an exaggeration, but they are like, it's not just like stereotypes or like what you expect a person to be. And I think that's what, but I think when you write a story at some point, you're going to be like, okay, this is messy and it isn't for everyone. And I do think someone would be like, oh, it's very art house. And it's like, I guess it is a, it is a piece where you need to have like a certain sort of mental capacity to watch it. Because mm. if you watch it on a day where you don't have that, you will find it a bit like, oh, I don't get what's going on. Like you switch. And I, I think that kind of goes with any other genre, like in general, when we when we want to watch a film, you want something well, I, easy or you want something that's like, yeah, like I feel like I want to be with these people. <laughs> I'd I'd be interested to know with a film or with human nature, with the success of being John Malkovich, because I know that that script, the ending mm. there's like aspects of being John Malkovich that were way more kind of out there and crazy where whereas like human nature they were kind of like oh it's from Charlie Kaufman it will mm. be fine and then obviously Michelle Gondry being involved who yeah people who don't know kind of had this amazing career throughout the 90s doing mm. these uh incredible oh, music videos I, I I'm not sure if you guys remember there was the the director's series which were like um a collection of dvds i've heard about it like i haven't seen kind of... it but yeah. no i haven't so so they were they were just like so spike jones has got one chris cunningham's got one michelle gondry um anton corbin and like a few other people and they're just like collections of music videos oh, that's amazing. So like, i remember for for me and my friends they were like our oh, youtube before mm. youtube it was kind <laughs> of like before we'd go on a night out or whatever, we'd put put those on and like, yeah, there's, I don't know, Michelle Gondry has always had like this weird sensibility mm. things and that kind of sensibility where know. he knows himself. Yes, you know I mean? he's yeah. sure of it. Yeah, he's it's sure, his yeah. own interpretation. Oh yeah, and and I think there's a big thing of dream logic in Charlie Kaufman's work where he said that he finds. That's what he wants to do, amplify the feeling when you have a dream and all those emotions are so strong. And he likes that to be translated in his movies. And I think that's sort of what it is with the exaggeration of it. And there's something really nice about it because it's like, yeah, like when you have a dream, it's very intense. Like, But when you like describe the same thing to someone, they're like, oh, just got chased by, you know, something. And it's like, no, but it was very amplified. And I think that's what he he does with everything and I think with being with John Malkovich where John Malkovich is an eccentric person I think that was and, and I think it is misleading to like sell that as as a selling point for human nature which is a, it's a pity if it was the other way around I mean can you imagine I, I think any movie John Malkovich is a perfect film yeah <laughs> anything coming after with that him is yeah what, like, yeah there's so much pressure 
But then for them to know, uh, uh, I read that Spike Jones hand picked Michelle Gondry to take this mm. on. So they knew what they like. It yes. was his first feature film. Mm. So they kind of knew they were going down a different avenue and taking a risk with him. And what a risk, because if this hadn't happened, we wouldn't have Eternal Sunshine. Which again, oh, I film. think is a yeah. perfect Love. movie. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. A collaboration between those two. I think you see elements. I mean, there's elements of... You know, like the, the chimpanzee side of things, mm. that's in being John Malkovich. There's there's always some kind of, uh, you can see similarities, but then as you said, they're just very different. I said to Theo before we started recording this, I don't think I would have known human nature was a Kaufman or Gondry without someone telling me. I, I don't think mm. it's as, for how Can't weird it him. is, it's not mm. as weird as other things I've done. <laughs> so it feels mm. quite normal well, in comparison to me anyway. Um, it's still it's still pretty out there. Let me not <laughs> let's not let's let's not downplay well, I, that. But I, I think I think one of the things that kind of I don't know, like uh, Miss Sells it is the poster for oh, it. Oh yeah. Like, sure. No, I agree. Michelle Gondry hates that poster, the, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the poster It is the, very misleading. The, the, the poster of Reese mm. and um Patricia Arquette looking like Adam and mm. Eve and like Tim Robbins looking bemused. It's like the worst poster. And that's like the DVD cover I've got. Whereas like from looking at some of like the other like international posters or there's other posts out there, make it kind like possibly look like it's more of the film yeah. that it is and kind of keeps in step. Mm. So I found with a, the Charlie Cow. I found an interview, Michelle <laughs> Gondry, where he said he he absolutely detest the man that made this poster that the, the guy had told him that um i'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine and he's giving the people what they want by photoshopping patricia arquette's face onto like a naked female oh body um and yeah he said like i'm ashamed to give this dvd to anybody anybody i know i don't want them to see the poster and he he said something like he wants to kick the guy's balls off that was what he created oh, wow. saying in the interview <laughs> of just like he he said he spent four years making this film or getting this film you know to the final production and the guy ruined it in two weeks with the poster that he came up with <laughs> it's just like there was there was actual hate behind this interview question so yeah <laughs> that's Michelle's mad isn't it <laughs> That is bad, yeah. As in, you, I think well, a poster got... really does ruin. Like people don't realize. Well, that was his that... point. He said, you yeah. know, "If you don't care about it, let me do it." But mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I don't know who who decided who wasn't allowed to. Oh, I guess dear. now they listen oh. to him, right? It's... Yeah, it's always back in the you know first time. Yeah, and then you well, realize yeah, I... you made the mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess Michelle Gondry, uh, Michelle Gondry. I, I'm trying to think of the last film that I remember he directed. Like the last thing that springs to mind is the the Green Hornet. It's like the kind of last thing I remember him oh, directing. Wow. I might be wrong on that point. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's had a kind of it's a varied. It's a varied. I really want to watch. Um, talking of Eternal Sunshine, there's that TV series, isn't there, that he's made with Jim Carrey. Happiness, yes, ah. that, is, that is something I've watched because it's it is like one. I, I think I watched some of that series before uh, realizing it was Michelle Gondry, and then realizing that afterwards, it's like, it makes oh, sense. <laughs> it makes so much sense. There's like kind of like in the way that this film, like some of it feels stop motion mm, when it's yeah, not, yeah, like or like Wait. kind of 
yeah, it kind of feels, I don't know, it, 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 it does this weird mix of like weird CGI yeah. stuff with the mouse, like in the opening Can I just sequence. Say, I thought that CGI and... was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was really good, yeah. Right? It holds up. I was like, this looks better than some of the stuff. I don't know if maybe just the quality of my television's really rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> like, this looks better than most things today. <laughs> that mouse eating the salad with yeah. the fork. I'm like, mm. this is amazing. <laughs> Do you not think? No. Are you thinking it's I think it was amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought all the way throughout, yeah, all, all, all the times they're eating salad and kind of even right to the end where they're, they're yeah, hitchhiking yeah, yeah. back to New York. Oh, the, I was yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a nice little nostalgia. Like, the opening of that feels very much like um, movies I would watch as a kid. Anybody ever watch The Witches? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's ve- it's like that vibe of, like, mm, oh, it's like an yeah. old school childhood movie. And then, obviously, it goes way off track. But <laughs> <laughs> Nods to well, it. There's, there's like... I really like that moment in the title sequence where like human nature is like over yeah. that um mm. like twig that they're running yeah, across yeah. or like that kind of branch and then the crow bursts through it and the, the words come flying yeah. out. I thought like, I loved that. There's an early sequence in this film as well where they kind of go full Disney. Yes, musical, when she sings right? about oh having God, hair. <laughs> yeah, when she's thinking about her hair. Oh, because great. Even when they swing <laughs> with, between the forest, that green screen trees. Uh-huh. I loved it. I was like, yep, I accept this. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> when I'm saying to you it's the most normal film in comparison to other ones, <laughs> I had forgotten that she's walking through the forest naked singing about squirrels being okay with her being hairy yeah. like <laughs> yeah yeah there's the, 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 some odd moments in this obviously like it kind of i don't know it messes with like dream mm, logic mm. and like the sensibilities of what is acceptable and stuff like that like there's that whole like subplot of the six-year-old oh, like, yeah, yeah, brother yeah. who's kind of like nathan hitting on <laughs> hitting on her that was quite funny yeah, hitting on Gabrielle and um there's a yeah, there's a bizarre scene where Patricia Arquette's character is fantasizing about like having a sexual interaction with a man and then it yeah, cuts it's her to dog. Her with a dog. Yeah. Yes. I just love it though. She lives in the forest but she's got a laptop. It's just stupid stuff like that. <laughs> I find I find <laughs> really And she funny. managed to be like a top writer and published yeah. books. I mean that's just I was like, good for you. Like I don't know how you got that life, but yes, great. It's like a retreat. There's so many <laughs> things you don't kind of question. You just kind of go along with it. You're like, hmm. Oh, yeah, I think that's kind yeah. of logic, right? It's like, and I think, yeah, I think that's why it kind of feels the most like Sonecki New York. So mm. I think, I don't know, for how great being John Malkovich is, I think the studio very much came in and kind of said like, let's let's kind of sand off some of these spikier edges to it and kind of, make it as palatable as we can for such a weird story like don't get me wrong it's still a a very weird film mm. but it's kind of it feels like the most i don't know hollywood version that film could yeah, be yeah yeah <laughs> in a way like uh whereas this feels unfiltered kaufman and gondry and i don't know it's a, there's a charm to it I think it's kind of a slap. Kind of to- Sorry, I was going to say I think it's kind of a slap. No, no, no. Like, yes. Yeah. 
screwball, yeah, it's yeah, got screwball yeah. energy to it as well, hasn't it? Like a screwball comedy. Like, um, it weirdly reminded me of, and it might not be a film either of you have seen, but there's a David O. Russell film called Flirting with Disaster, which, funnily enough, also has Patricia Arquette oh. in it from 1996. Oh. Um, Haven't seen yeah, it. Should we be watching this? Um, if you can put aside the David O. Russell aspect of it, yeah, it's kind of it's a it's a it's a, it's a fascinating film because it again it tries it's, a, it's trying to be like a kind of classic screwball comedy. Mm. I think like the yeah that would make it would make an interesting double bill because. That's kind of about parents and uh, yeah, again about uh, an orf- uh, yeah, an adopted kid trying. In in this case, he's trying to find his real parents and stuff like that, and a kind of a mass a ragtag band of people along the way to on this journey to find Ben Stiller's real parents and uh, Patricia Arquette at one point gets her armpit licked by Josh Brolin. Oh wow! So that's a selling point or not? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if yeah, if that's what gets your gears going. So definitely check that one out, guys. Um, so let yeah, let's talk about some of the performances in this. So, what what do you guys think of? Obviously, Patricia Arquette is one of the of the reason we're talking about this film. What what do you think of Patricia Arquette's performance in this, Annette? I think she's a good sport. <laughs> I think she plays it so earnestly and so. Um, believable yeah she makes it believable it, mm. it, within five minutes of that movie she is standing on top of a fake empire state building yeah. <laughs> in a yeah. bikini covered in hair pretending to mm. be king kong while peter dinklage who's great um flies around yeah. her in a mini airplane trying to shoot her down and i'm fully with yeah. her like i feel bad for her she obviously doesn't want to be doing it um but yeah like she's selling it <laughs> She sells it. Yeah. You root for her. You root for her when she, like, goes to doing all that. And she, I don't know, you very much get into it very quickly. And you're, like, Mm -hmm. sort of want to know how it unfolds and, like, want her to, like, you want her to win or get out of whatever situation she is. And I don't think it would work if she wasn't as likable as she Mm. is because I'm not saying... The, the hormone problem that she's got wrong with her, the Tim Robbins finds her repulsive. Mm. And I uh-huh. think it could easily have slipped into kind of the audience being disgusted by her as well in everybody's reaction to her. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But she plays... Yeah, but Go on. I think it's interesting in like the kind of the time in which it would have come out because that would have been like the the burgeoning of this kind of um, perception that women must be these kind of like Barbie doll esque yeah. body types. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, mm. if you've got any hair below the kind of neck, you are like grotesque. I, I like, remember Julia Roberts was on a red carpet and she hadn't shaved her armpits or something. And there was just a mm-hmm. picture of her waving to the crowd. And it was like, I can't remember how old I was when this happened, but it was like a huge deal that she hadn't shaved her armpits. Like, why is this mm. front page news? So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I th- and I think whereas like now, like kind of I've said it through like obviously I don't like um, no names mentioned, but like through <laughs> through like girls I've dated throughout the time, just seeing like do you know what I mean, how like the attitudes have changed mm. and like it's it's refreshing to see like the kind of 
feeling comfortable in the fact that, like, you know, we have dated girls, hairy armpits, like, you know what I mean? Willing to kind of grow hair on their body and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I've not been so ashamed of stuff. Mm, I think that's yeah, that's great. Well. And it's, and I think it kind of, yeah, speaks to kind of like what the, I don't know, the zeitgeist is on mm. that in, in regards to, yeah, people feeling comfortable. So I think like, so that's what's interesting for watching it through like 2022 mm. eyes is the fact that like you can even you can almost root for lila more yeah yeah and like whereas at the time yeah she could have like people could have sided with tim mm. robbins a bit more and mm. like seeing her as repulsive whereas now it's like she's i don't know you it's kind of a progressive film right in the fact that it's like being okay in your own um, skin yeah, yeah. and, it, and yeah, also you like, don't feel like she's it's weird because you don't also feel like she's a bit of a sellout when she decided to do it yeah and the second yeah, time around yeah, yeah, you kind yeah. of feel like you know what like you feel but she's doing it for like, her yeah why. like you, you kind of like you did it for yourself and also like you, you know it is difficult you don't feel like oh you're not like supporting you know the female power you very much like kind of understand because they built it in the in the way she kind of portray her character it's like oh it, it is horrible. No, like you see her, even that, like, I think it was 30 seconds of Hillary Duff being like the mini her. Yeah, it was like very quick, but like you built that, you're like, oh, okay, I, I kind of like, you don't feel like, oh, you're now just throwing your identity away. And yeah, I think that was very what? believable. And I think the film seeds it as well, right? Because the whole sequence where she's trying to win nathan's mm. affections and kind of saying like the things that she's doing to mm. be more like quote unquote feminine mm. she's like, mm -hmm, oh, i'm taking mm -hmm. up ballet classes yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm doing this and doing that and oh it's yeah like to be a real of, just to be a real like woman. woman yeah woman yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and like and it's, it's heartbreaking as well yeah. oh god yeah and it's interesting in those moments as well that obviously she's got painted on eyebrows, yeah. she's got a wig yeah. on, and it's like she is her most literally false mm, version yes, yes, of herself. Yes, yes, yes. And, yes. And, yeah, and it transpires that when the ultimate kind of selling out of herself is when she agrees to be like the lab assistant, right? Where it's like yeah. she, is, she is literally stripped away who she mm. is and she is, she is somebody else for the benefit of a man and i think i think yeah i don't know like obviously you can you guys yeah i, I think, think it's very like and also the bit where like i i kind of give gabrielle a little bit it's where she actually not comfortable being that person either because she would be like uh -huh. <laughs> she was on the sofa like oh, completely like on the phone and like being so yeah. like casual but then when he rings and she just did a set change within like 10 minutes so even like she's not comfortable with it but she knows that's how you you need to do it kind of like I think it, it deeper meaning of like reflection of there is a group of women that just know that that's what you do like that's how well, you survive I, I kind don't of even thing. think it's so well let me talk for myself I think I've done this I've said to you before like there were times oh, when yeah, I think we all We've we had all the, done it you mm. are enough chat mm. when I was younger in my 20s not feeling good enough and feeling like I had to look a certain way had mm, to mm, you know mm. say say things in a certain way and and kind of be perfect to be acceptable mm. which is terrible it's just you know having sort of poor self-image and, and self-esteem um and it is only um, 
I've said this on our own podcast. It's <laughs> frustrating that I had to get to my 30s to finally realise like all of that's just bullshit and I'm good as I am. But I think um, that's with everybody. I think Yeah, that's what of, I'm saying. It's yeah. so relatable. Mm. It's 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah. As a woman watching those two characters, like the duality of both of those characters. I do find that relatable and it's like looking at it and laughing like oh yeah like it's very extreme on the mm. on the on the film but it's like we've all done versions of that have, mm. have we not have have we <laughs> yeah I agree yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah yeah like even myself is like kind of I don't know do you know what I mean like you get not too deep into a relationship but it's like I've been a false version yes of who yes I am. it is hard like, yeah this, do you know what I mean like I've I've, I've answered the, I've answered the right questions to get me a mm, date. Yeah. Like, like I've answered them in the correct way that you mm. want instead of the real. Um, yeah. I truly feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The amount of times. Do what you think <laughs> the other person's going to want. Once they're here. Yeah. And it's awful, isn't exactly, it? Because yeah, for Patricia but... Arquette, that moment where he opens the bathroom door and he sees her for who she really is. Yes. It's like all anyone is looking for in this film is a genuine connection and to be authentically accepted for who they are yeah and he mm-hmm. doesn't and that's like people's worst fear mm, and she she becomes like as you said the fakest version of herself just to try and claw back some kind of reassurance and like yeah, from him validation mm. from him in some way um yeah it's very raw <laughs> it resonates people <laughs> it is it, it really does I think but I don't think uh, funny enough I think when you watch it you don't realize this and then if you have to like think on it, it it really like there are nuggets of it that makes you go like oh wow like that really hit home yeah I don't think if I, <laughs> if I wasn't doing this film for a podcast I don't yeah. think I would have thought so mm. deeply into it um yes oh I think that is the that is the thing with I don't know, this film particularly is the aspect of the packaging mm. is kind of a not a big topic movie, mm. but then it is tackling a lot of big topics within it. Mm. Like, and it's obviously tackling like what humanity is yeah. as a whole, right? Because obviously the framing of this is kind of these free interviews where it's Tim Robbins in Purgatory. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lila in uh, a a police like interview and um, Puff uh, in a like um, Congress tribunal Mm. about like and his Mm. like it transpires his whole his whole mission statement to be there is to kind of point out the ills of humanity Mm. humankind and stuff like that which even then transpires at the end that is is all a load of hokum yeah yeah he he doesn't believe in that i think yeah when you get to the end of this film uh everybody's still fake at the end of the film right he yeah i I can't believe we haven't even talked about reese fans he's my favorite i love reese fans (laughs) absolutely his transformation (laughs) just so eloquent like you're just like wow that's great progress like i remember (laughs) thinking i'm like you i don't know what you're doing but this is amazing how <laughs> it's like all these little like set changes in that little box where like he's in a theater and he's like laughing oh, I love and changes. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just great um what? but even him so at yeah, the so end think... he he's 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 
pretended to go back to the wild, but mm. he doesn't really want to do it. They have that kind of uh, graduate ending where they're both sitting in the car looking miserable. Mm. Patricia Arquette lies and says that she killed Tim yeah. Robbins. Huge spoilers, everybody. Uh, killed Tim Robbins. So she's kind of faking her story. It's probably the most noble of all of them. Um, and Tim Robbins, yeah, he's just dead. It's like a very Bill and Ted both journey <laughs> ended for him. He's just... Now and he's so confused as well. He's just like, I don't really know. <laughs> and you're like, yes, that's probably what how a lot of people don't know how they got somewhere, you know, with their behavior, which is quite mm. interesting because he's like talking through it and he's sort of like realizing things. And you kind of like not because he's also saying things like he he doesn't want to say he's sorry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he he wants to go back. Like he he just has no concept of himself mm. and how he's contributed, really. Mm. You know. Yeah. And I, I think in those like purgatory sequences, and there's a moment I love in that where like he tries to. Oh yes, and yeah. he comes yeah. like it. <laughs> it, it. It feels very music video. Yeah, yeah, like, it does. It feels very. It is. It is kind of a, a Michelle Gondry moment where he kind of comes through the other door. But yeah, like he has no kind of growth no. like, at the end. And I like. I I really like the fact that this film is very unresolved. Mm. Like, obviously, I think if anyone gets closure. It is Patricia mm. Arquette's character, mm. even if it is false closure. Yeah. Like she thinks that she's there for the right yeah. reason. Yeah. Like she's unaware of the outside world that kind of Puff has duped her. And but I think that's what. Awful, but yeah. Sad. Yeah, but I think that's what sort of probably what Charlie Carmen's trying to be like, even though you think you've got closure, probably not what it is, which is a, a, a quite a sad undertone, but it's sort of like. Well, and I, yeah. I, I guess it speaks to like a big thing of this film is almost like ignorance mm, is bliss, right? Yeah. Like when yeah. when Puff was ignorant oh, to so the happy. human mm. world, his life was good. Like And you can't go Lila, back. You can't unsee what you've seen, you can't unlearn what you've learned. Like he doesn't yeah. want to go back in the world. Well that's like, a thing. my ass off out here, give me yeah. clothes. Like yeah. even though it sounds idyllic, he can't return to who he was before because he's been what, corrupted? Yeah, he, he he knows too much now, kind of, isn't it? And yeah, and it's also really nice that like you also can't, you know, the rekindling moments, like when his mum was like, "I'm your mum," and he goes, "He's like, drop me a line." He goes, "Ape doesn't drop lines." It was just like, even though that's like the moment, you're like, "Oh, you don't even get that." Like they're not gonna like get to know each other. So there's mm. all these like fractured moments. So you're like, okay, you make your decision and you kind of go on with it. You can't just like go back and then pretend nothing happened yes yeah powerful Isn't that what he says he asked for a definition doesn't he uh we used to find when, they, when they're standing in the forest at the end he asked i can't remember the word he asked for a definition he's like i'm gonna i was gonna look up the meaning of this word oh yes yeah took me to the forest and tim robbins he gives the explanation of it's like being unaware of all the elements all the little elements that make up the the whole, the whole yeah. yeah it's like oh that's basically what the all the little decisions everybody's made, all the little choices everybody's making, kind of building up because the story as a bigger yeah. analogy mm. for whatever, you know, nature versus uh, civilization or whatever nature. you want to put yeah. on it. It's it's like a tiny, tiny story that can be a bigger mm. thing. Yeah, it's... And he has that great speech, right, mm. in, in the woods before he shoots it, where he's kind of like, just kind of puts down like humanity and like what 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 is basically done to him. Yeah. And mm. 
don't know. I really, yeah, I really feel, and I think, I don't know, I take away from Patricia Arquette's ending of it. It's like, if I were to get any of the endings, I think I'd rather live ignorance that she has. Mm, you'd rather you know be in prison. Than like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thinking you yeah, made a difference. Yeah, she can feel good about herself. She yeah. thinks she's made a difference to the world. Yeah. But, so, yeah. So, Tim, yeah, before we start to wrap things up, what, what, what do we think of Tim Robbins? And it's like, I've, I don't know. I think I, I've got a... Obviously, yeah, he's great in the Shawshank Redemption, but I, one of the things I can't shake out of my mind with Tim Robbins is his character in High Fidelity. I was obsessed with that. Go on, tell me. Uh, I was obsessed with that book and that film like when I was a lot younger, and he plays like... Um, the lead character's ex-partner's new boyfriend. So I think when that hit me at like a formative age, his face has become like the personification of like kind of that that guy in my life. And like there's a line in that film where so, somebody says like I- Ian and he's like, that fucking Ian guy. He's like, what Ian guy? And it's like, that is Tim Robbins to me, and he plays. He he play. I think he plays arseholes really fucking well. And I guess I don't, it really helps in uh, High Fidelity in the fact that he's got a ponytail. Uh, but in this, like, I don't know. He plays like the kind of bumbling fool really well. But then, I don't know, like, he just has something in his eyes that you see this kind of not sinister as such, but at least like a kind of. I don't think you're supposed to like him though, because I didn't. No, you're not. You're not. Yeah. But he's yeah. a lovable goof at the beginning, at least. Oh right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. When yeah. you first meet him, you're mm. like, oh, he has it... good intentions. He's saying he wants to save, you know, humanity. If he can teach mice table manners, he can teach humans, and then make the world a better place. But it's not what he's saying. The motivation is, isn't really what he's doing. Yeah. Mm. It's almost like that thing of like uh, death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It's like the those small decisions that you make mm. end up to really bad places as opposed mm. to like he he never makes just one bad this like one big i don't know he does make some big bad decisions but like on along the way he makes like a lot of micro shit decisions that kind like of micro like, selfish decisions though isn't it it's never about he, he doesn't, doesn't take responsibility anybody. yeah he doesn't but really do any of them care because a lot of them are talking about love we're saying it's like a love i talk, called it a love square earlier uh it's like it's not love though is it because nobody's really one nobody's being authentic and two nobody's accepted anybody for their flaws like mm. as soon as you're not fitting into something that i want i'm gonna move, and, and, and tim robbins in particular mm. i'm gonna move on to the next one well i i i think if anything like there is a line in this film that, like, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that's quite problematic. It's when Rosie Perez is speaking to Patricia Arquette, and she says, oh, I know a guy who would be perfect for you, Frank, and describes him. She's like, oh, I, and I'm quoting here. This is not this is not the type of terminology I would use. She's like, oh, I don't want to date a midget. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then, oh, yeah. But yeah. then, like, it transpires in the film that like she feels mm. she she falls deeply in love with him and they are yeah. they are yeah and it's like i think they're the only two people who fall in love with each other mm. for the people that they are 
Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's yeah, like that's true. Yeah. I kind of want their side story, actually. Yeah, that would yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. want more Great. of them, right? Yeah. That would be yeah. a really interesting side story that we need to explore there. Peach yeah. Dinkish is great. <laughs> well, both of them, like Rosie Perez is an absolute like mm, I like her presence. Yeah. Pe- Peter Dinklage, like both so charismatic and like yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting to watch. That, and like, establish themselves in such a short amount of time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Peter Dinklage is just uh, <laughs> in a in a little plane. Like, do you know what I mean? Before, <laughs> before, we, before we see him revealed as like, what is it like dr Brooklyn oh yeah doctor yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i yeah. do like then, that that was a good yeah then so what what do we guys think about like how this film we've, we've obviously touched on the ending a little bit but what do you think kind of like the i don't know can you get any like message from the end or is it kind of supposed to be open to interpretation i think it's open to interpretation i think each person to take different like a different view from it i think you kind of i think the idea is that you kind of come away feeling quiet like something's missing and then you kind of like wish there's more and then you think about it you're like oh that's sort of like how life is <laughs> that's sort of how i feel but oh you're kind of frustrated and you're like well that's like it doesn't feel abrupt it felt like that's you want to like continue to follow their lives kind of kind of be like oh i wonder what would happen now but you don't really feel like you need a sequel i don't know if that kind of no, makes no. sense yeah yeah don't give us the sequel <laughs> prestige, prestige tv mini series yeah like, let's just leave this one in 2001 like as it is what about you a lot of kaufman's uh stuff is open mm. to, i mean all of it actually mm. is open to interpretation as i said to you i I wouldn't have delved so deeply into this if we weren't doing a podcast on it. Yeah. Um, and when I was saying before about it being the most uh, normal of all of them, I think it's because it leans so much into kind of the slapstick. You can almost write it off as just like a silly, mm. you know, it's a silly comedy. Um, mm-hmm. But it's when you kind of really pay attention to what they say. I mean, it is in the writing, isn't it? Um, that there's so many different meanings and um as you said it's kind of an unfiltered opinion of Kaufman Mm. yeah um and a question I wanted to ask you guys like I think I don't know I'm trying to I I keep trying to think like who obviously Charlie Kaufman is still working like we had a film from him two years ago but I've been thinking about this are 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 the Daniels the the creators (gasps) I was the oh god you touch on yes Yes. Are they are they the kind of like successes? Yes, I think they are. To, yes, one of the best, if not the best, yes. experience I've had in the cinema. We loved everything, it everywhere, all mm. at once. I thought it was incredible. And I think like what what what's interesting about them is is the way that like Charlie Kaufman, like in his whether he intends to or not, there is that kind of like Gen X gatekeepy aspect to him where like mm. his films are so and his concepts are so high-minded and there is mm. this thing that like for people who aren't kind of fans of his work or kind of like can see a way in mm. you can see very very impenetrable yes whereas yeah. uh it's it feels like i don't know that the daniels are, s- are singing from a similar hymn sheet of trying to like delve into 
what it is to be a human but mm. very much from that millennial aspect of like inclusive yeah there's yes. no there, there's no like i don't know, like charlie kaufman is like yeah there is low art in his films but it feels like very like knowing and yeah like, yeah aren't i clever whereas they're going hey there is no high art there is no low art there is just art do you know what i mean we'll mm. make references oh, to yeah yeah to ratatouille yeah. We'll, we'll have a fight sequence that involves yeah. like uh butt plugs and stuff like that and it's like we'll just like i don't know smash them together and like yeah like but i wonder I'm, if that is not to offend charlie kaufman but that's him yeah. <laughs> like i think that is his span of things he likes compared to the Daniels I feel like they're a lot more they have a wider range of interests and passion like are yes, they music well, video are they music video directors as well yeah so they did they're also yeah, they did that turned kind down of, for what you know the uh the little John video where mm, mm. Smashes so they're a lot more like I feel like they're more dynamic in a sense that uh-huh. they, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it all comes of them, across. Mike Jones, Michelle Gondry, the Daniels, they all started with music videos. Because there's less actually, rules. So she, yeah. And I guess it, it uh, well, if you're creative anyway, I think probably with the lower budgets, et cetera, it... You can do more. Yeah. The creativity just opens mm. up so much more when you've got less money. <laughs> and I <laughs> think... find ways of, of coming yeah. up with a vision that maybe is not accessible with cash. And yeah, and um, lo- and logic is not as much of a concern when it's music video. Mm. I was going to say because Human Nature, uh, fun fact for you guys, uh, it's based on uh, Bjork. Bjork music yeah. video. Yeah, yeah the Human yeah. Behaviour one, the first one he did with Bjork. So yeah. it's just like those sensibilities being able to carry that over into. It's hard, and yeah, I think the dance did it really well. It's just the more creative. It's it's fun. I think mm. that's <laughs> you know film can be fun and serious at the yeah. same time. They, mm, they did it really well. Told the line yeah. perfectly. I definitely found watching this, I was like, oh, this, there is like, there, there is a clear line between mm. like Gondry, Kaufman, like Spike Jones to the Daniels. I think they're kind of like the, the successors to that kind of weirdo. Yeah, they're like, like the parents' like the, table, and then there's a kids' table. Say, yeah, they're the kids' table. Charlie's where they're like, like the Obi Wan. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Old, <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> serious, and you're like the, the jokes that like mm, is not landing as well. <laughs> they're, they're as much influenced by like um, YouTube videos as they are kind of like deep cinema and philosophical, mm. so, yeah, philosophical questions. Whichever I, I don't know, like yeah. Uh, yeah they're they're an exciting duo to watch Mm. so as we start to wrap things up i would like to um ask my guest did they manage to find any copra connections within in this film what i mean by that is is there anyone who's in this film who has worked with the coplas elsewhere either behind the camera or in front of the camera did you guys manage to find any i mean obviously uh kaufman yeah that was that's that an obvious one, right? With Nicolas Cage playing him and yes. his mm. fake twin brother. Fake twin brother, yeah. <laughs> um, what else did I come up with? God, I wrote notes, guys. Just Roman Coppola's got a lot of. Uh... Is he in this one? I think he is. 
Roman like producer or second director or something like Roman Coppola because I was looking at you there's a question coming up later uh Roman Coppola seems to have a lot of links to a lot of different people that you're not quite aware of uh-huh. he's been thanked in credits and whatnot he seems to have had his finger in a lot of different film pies yes uh there's um so I'll rattle for you uh, go on few, yeah. uh, go 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 so, so obviously, yeah, Charlie Kaufman also has connections in the fact that he wrote Being John Malkovich, yeah. which Spike Jones was yeah. married to Sophia Coppola at the time. Of course, um, and Spike Jones is married to Sophia. Yes. was married to Sophia Coppola, which I learned from um, researching this. Michelle Gondry directed The Green Hornet, which John Schwartzman was the cinematographer. Whoa, okay. You go oh, through. that one. Oh, wow. <laughs> the cinematographer of this, Tim Morris-Jones, was the second unit director on Kick-Ass, which starred Nicolas Cage. Janine McCarthy, no. the casting director, also was the casting director for Conair, which also starred Nicholas Cage. Oh, my gosh. I think the Recent. production designer, right? The production designer's worked on a lot of... Mm-hmm. K.K. Bennett? Is that yes. his name? Yeah, I, I don't think I looked at that one. I should have really looked. I've got I've got quite a lot in... in, in Because we in did the set co- design. I, yeah, I with the first point <laughs> of... Yeah. Um... Reese Farns was Kurt Connors in The Amazing Spider-Man, which Jonathan Schwartzman was the cinematographer. <laughs> wow. And Corbin O'Brien in Snowden, which Nicolas Cage has a cameo. Yes. Um, oh, my God. He's that great CIA. Oh, my God. Fantasy. Yeah. And Reese Farns is, yes. <laughs> um, Rosie Perez is in uh, It Could Happen to You, which stars Nicolas Cage. Ken McGee, who appears as a police detective, plays a California doctor in Seabiscuit, which Jonathan Schwartzman was the cinematographer. Oh, wow. David Warofsky, uh, who also plays a police detective, was in Face Off, credited as Bomb Leader, which starred <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Stanley DeSantis was also in Ed Wood, which Stephanie Schwartzman was the assistant production designer and is the TV man in the van in the birdcage which stephanie schwartzman was the art department coordinator That's and Peter close this out is in between two ferns <laughs> as is jason schwartzman and the crudes a new age alongside the voice of nicholas cage that's, wow. uh, that, that yeah, is, that's I totally I, didn't do my homework. That, well done. I mean, I really did. I was didn't. just Google as well. His name was KK Barrett, so I got that wrong too. That is amazing. <laughs> we failed the exam, but that was great. <laughs> I feel like you need like a filtering software system where it automatically tells people you should. I, I, yeah, I, know, I need like a, a, a copalopedia. Yeah, just, you like, should all start these it. <laughs> and then sell it back to the family. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like uh, a who do you think you are? But like, who do you fucking think you are? <laughs> He'd be like, we've been meaning to put this together on our tapestry. <laughs> they probably it's... do have a tapestry. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Not... He's got yeah, a castle, like like a Harry Potter moment with the where they have just all the. Oh, that would be pretty cool, actually. For the definitely the family tree on the on the yeah on the wallpaper like <laughs> like serious black but like just a couple of family so, oh dear. there we go so, interior design concept <laughs> i love it i love it um yeah i, I love that yeah stephanie schwartzman working in like yes no is that yeah it's art department and production design is that is yeah, that yeah, yeah that's yeah, what it's you within guys the did same, yeah 
that is yeah that's what we did oh the good old days <laughs> she, she's got like a kind of killer run in the 90s of the film she worked on that's amazing which is like yeah birdcage edward <gasps> edward scissorhands oh uh, wow good ones the little princess as well i, f- I want to say the alfonso Cuarón oh yeah film. i remember yeah 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 which like i think yeah the production design on that was amazing i haven't watched that for a long time but that was a mm. when i was ill from school uh, film yes <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm I, I, yeah i i've got a thing with that film where i'm trying to like i try and decipher between that and the secret garden but i think yes I've, <laughs> I've, I, I think i've like separated the two now <laughs> i think we um, had those weird trailers at the start of the vhs yes it was like toys oh god what were the other ones i just always vividly remember robin williams toys Yes, yeah, before yeah, yeah. every <laughs> every movie, but I was never allowed to have Robin Williams toys on a VHS. I'm not sure why. I should probably for the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it's Robin Williams. You can't, you know. Mm. These are from the same people that let me watch The Fly when I was like, <laughs> which absolutely, like, I didn't understand what was happening, but it just terrible. Like, it, it messed terrifying. me up. It is terrifying. Mm. Not to a point where I knew what was happening. Like I could watch the end bit where he's all Ugh. mangled mm. and like not not be not be grossed out by it because I wasn't quite sure what was happening, but just I just knew that something wasn't right. It's <laughs> 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 just like you let me watch that, but not Robin Williams' toys. Very strange decision. Back to your parenting thing. <laughs> the start. This is full circle. We full circle. <laughs> well, I've, yeah, I think I think with toys they teach kids how to like fly drones to like kill people in actual wars so maybe they were worried about you oh. being corrupted by video games or something oh, okay yeah yeah <laughs> you're like makes sense <laughs> yeah you're not you're not going to get in a teleportation machine with a fly are you <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah <laughs> some good moral thinking behind that but potentially that i have not questioned <laughs> no th- th- this is me just trying to um rationalize all of the mistakes i'm making <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, it's fine for him to watch this film. Don't worry about it. Um, so, as we start to yeah rate this film, uh, the way we do it on this here podcast is we like to look at the perfect wine pairing for this film because the Coppolas love their bloody wine. So, Theo, what would be the perfect wine pairing for human nature? I would pick a Riesling where it's dry but sweet. Which is very okay. similar to sort of the humour and it's sort of bittersweet kind of film and forcefully selling it now. <laughs> I like it, I like it. What about yourself, Annette? What, what, what wine are you going for? This is super forceful. I was going back to nature and I'm going to say no wine. <laughs> taste the difference grapes. <laughs> Straight from the vine, I like people. That. Well I like done. It. Yes. Like- thank you, See- thank you. <laughs> I was going to go for a real wanky answer and it also all the rage these days go for like a nice a nice natural wine oh, oh yes oh yeah obviously, obviously yeah no no kind of um, additives and kind of mm, like, probably a vegan one yeah. yeah nice yeah. nice vegan one maybe something with a little bit of fizz because obviously oh. there's a bit of like there's something I don't know like a chin chin or something oh, like that. Oh. it's got like a I don't this film's got a bit of like a is to it and it's not yeah. like what you expect I like that almost. yes it's like yeah like you'd be expecting oh yes it could be like a white wine and then it's like oh a little bit of 
a little bit of um, oh. carbonation to it. Maybe like an orange wine. I was going to say, yes. I have been drinking a mimosa. Mm. It's got very <laughs> throughout lovely. this. So, I mean, it's all fitting, guys. <laughs> lovely, lovely. So, um, the long way round of asking this question is, how much does that wine cost? And what I mean by that is, is this a good film? So, the options are, is this a bottom shelf, middle shelf, or top shelf? wine slash film i feel like the one that they kind of dust it off and you think it's expensive but it's not oh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one that be like oh i got this one in the shelf it's been a while it but it looks expensive but it's you know but it takes a while for you to not everyone's taste that you might like it kind of thing so it's so we we're going to soup we're thinking of supermarket eggs. Obviously, they normally go, yeah, if you're bending down to the ground, they think us commoners, like, that's where we live, is by the floor. So we have to, that's where we get our cheap wine. And then. Can it be on some... the middle one, but like behind some like okay. big one? I like that. <laughs> like, I like that. Gentle <laughs> shelf. Yeah. I like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I really like, almost like a shelf that you have to find. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to pull a couple of bottles yes. in the correct yes. order. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I like I, I like that. What what about you, Annette? Where, where, where well, are you I said my this? I said my grapes would taste the difference because I just think this is not your ordinary. This isn't an ordinary film, uh-huh. so I feel like it's not an ordinary grape. It's a it's a little bit more than an ordinary grape. Maybe like you know you can get grapes that are like candy floss flavored. Okay. Oh candy yes, they're good from M and S flavored <laughs> from M and S. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's you know it's a little bit higher brow but it's still affordable mm. and it's a surprising flavor <laughs> nice. nice nice so we're talking yeah we're talking teetering on the edge of the middle to top mm. shelf right we're talking yeah I, I, I like that um yeah I, I i think this film it's obviously not like kind of rock like rocked my world completely where i'm like i have to watch this mm. film immediately it's not mm. not going in the pantheon of the favorites i think it is very much a a middle shelf film and i don't say that as a disparaging thing i've said it on this podcast before and i've said it in my life many times i love a free star film like yes we, <laughs> we don't have enough of them these days i don't think i think everybody talks in binaries these days where it's like everything has to be like mm. the best thing i've ever seen or yeah. the worst thing i've ever seen where it's like give me give me like a free star film like just give me like something that's like decent like mm. and i think that that that's what this is and you can kind of you know the more i've sat with it and thought about it like the kind of more i appreciate it yeah like, like wine I... <laughs> yes <laughs> yes exactly it all comes back to the wine i, I was gonna it. say I, I appreciate this for the fact that eternal sunshine came from yeah. It. Mm. yeah you had to have this to get eternal sunshine so just mm. for that alone yeah it makes sense it. And you can almost think, I don't know, like there's a, an element where obviously Spike Jones passed on this, where like Charlie Kaufman was like, I don't know, like oh, I want Spike back on board. I, the next script's got to be really fucking great. And then like kind of give it, gave him like the oomph to do adaptation. Do you know what I mean? As well. So like maybe put a firecracker up his ass to kind of like up his game. Not to, not to say that's a better film than being John Malkovich. Uh, don't know they're very much of a piece i think but like mm. uh yeah I, li- I like that um this film yeah like sparks off the, the next collaboration between like 
Kaufman and two of the kind of directors I think who better himself. But oh, oh. it's the meeting yeah. of minds, isn't it? It's the meeting of minds. It's like yeah, yes, just, yeah, just yeah. getting them in the same room and yeah, realizing yeah. they're both as mad <laughs> as each other. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful I moment. <laughs> like oh yeah, that that could be another discussion altogether about whether. Um, Charlie Kaufman is best, like unfiltered, mm. him writing, directing, or kind of through the prism of another director. Oh, well, I like that. Yeah. But but uh, it's probably not the place to have this yeah. conversation because we'll <laughs> probably be here for another hour or so, just <laughs> like hashing that out. So uh, uh, let me ask you guys based on this film alone, are the Coppola's the greatest film family of all time? Oh, dear. <laughs> because we talked about this about the Coppola family I feel like well as I mentioned I do believe they're a cult and they are a genre on their own so I I don't know I'm a, a bit afraid of them now because I feel like they're listening <laughs> so you are the greatest but not based on this film they're yeah it's hard isn't it I don't think based on this film they are the greatest and are they the greatest mm. oh I don't know because are they a competing family or are they just monopolizing? That's also the question. What I think is that thing of like they might not like if you look at it in regards to like I don't know, like like you have the tough people. It's mm. like they might not they, like there's probably other families who like pound for pound are better, whereas like the Coppola's kind of just outnumber everybody else. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like yeah, some people may look at like the Houstons with. Uh, John Houston and Angelica. Oh, that yeah. is in, yeah. Like as as a pretty formidable family. Look at Arquette. Look at maybe not the Baldwin's. Uh, <laughs> like there's kind of, <laughs> there's kind of so many. And obviously, we live in a <laughs> so time of nepotism, babies being mm. such like a big rage, and there's more and more kind of. It's you know, hard. Fam- it's hard. Families and, and, emerging, and if they're at one step ahead already, like, can you ever beat them? in life yes yeah well yeah yeah i guess it's <laughs> today uh, uh yeah i don't nick, know nick cage, who's they've got nick cage has got kids right so this is going to continue it's going yeah, to continue nick cage is one of his sons is an actor oh it's gonna already keep going okay well that's uh. his other son's possibly to yeah like hasn't taken up acting well has a voice role in um Teen Titans go to the movies. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> has like one line Bre- in that. breaking into the industry already. <laughs> There's that yes. nepotism. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's always, it's always like every new generation that seems mm. to be somebody breaking into the industry. So yeah, they are kind of a formidable force. But I think they're a fascinating one at that. I'd feel bad if one of them wants to be like an accountant or something. I feel like at these family reunions, do you think anybody cares? If you're not going to get an Oscar, if it's like someone's passed their like level four statistics exam or something, it's like yeah, it's not an Oscar. More, so like, <laughs> no, but it will be more interesting because they don't want to talk about each other's worse than film successes. Sophia, pressure, Sophia it? never wanted to be a director. Oh really? Kind of just fell into it, and I think is that thing of I've said it. Yeah, I've said it before. Um, in in regards to that thing of, I guess it's how you grow up right mm. if you kind of grow up in a restaurant and that's what you know and they mm. said in this film right if your mm-hmm. parents your parent yeah. is a is a musician you're more likely to be around that and go you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna have a crack at that and it's like yeah if 
if your early years were on the set of Apocalypse Now, like that's that's surely like got to ingrain something in you. But would of... that not put you off? There could be a chance, you know, like lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it goes either way, but I guess this I is guess like it a depends fun when industry. it hits you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I guess it's it, like, do you know what I mean? Because, mm. yeah, like, Sophia, I think, was taken out of school for that. So it would have been like below oh, wow. the age of 10. So, like, would have, it would have been fun for yeah. her still. And then, like, yeah, I guess. And it's that thing, I don't know, you sometimes can't escape that aspect of it, right? And it's like, yeah, because. She really didn't want to, and it was only because um, Virgin Suicides was her favourite novel that, like, she heard it was being turned into a film, and she's like, "Oh no, I don't want someone to ruin this." So just wrote mm. a script, mm. and then it's kind of happened by happenstance. Obviously, there is a level, possibly, of yeah, there is not 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 possibly, but definitely of nepotism involved in that. But mm. she probably didn't get a foot in. She got a foot in the door because of who her father was, but. Think she's proven herself right to be oh yeah definitely oh yeah a, a talent unto herself like, she's mm. not just yeah god that sounds so other. stressful thinking about <laughs> it like stressed me out a little bit <laughs> as i'm like oh the pressure <clears throat> yes yeah i think i i think that all the time so uh talking about pressure let me ask you a question which is ultimate pressure cooker question which oh, is <laughs> Which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the entire filmographies of the rest of that the That is family. so hard. <laughs> this is what I'm saying to you. This That's a Coppola that doesn't, it has not been visible. The one that's running away <laughs> from media. I was saying, like, I was trying to be logical about this. And Roman Coppola seemed to have the biggest links to lots of films. So you still get The Godfather. You still get the Sofia Coppola. He's been in loads of West Adams. You should keep the top one. Mm. So I feel like he has the most, you get the most from him, but then you lose the Nicolas Cage, which yeah. is a dilemma. It is a dilemma. <laughs> it's too hard. Which one would you pick? I'm not answering that. You question. need to. Oh, my God. Not, so... on this, not on this episode. That's like, that's like final episode stuff. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Oh, oh final episode. Nicholas Cage needs to interview you and ask you these questions. Oh, <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Never going to happen. Let's be honest. Ain't big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, let's be honest. You never get the Mariah Carey featuring Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson and O Santa music video. If Roman Coppola goes, so uh, yeah, I mean, you, for that alone, I think that is it. You know, <laughs> make the world a better place. <laughs> Another one who's had an amazing like music video career. So like, yeah, Phoenix videos, The Strokes, uh, Daft Punk. It's um, it's not possible. That question is too hard. Well, I need I, I need one. I need you to be selfish. Like, what would what would you want to keep? Who who do you love the most? Like, don't think about like so many people. Well, I'll keep Nick this. Cage. You're perfect. Yeah, that's what my heart says. Nick yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll keep, keep Nick, Nick Cage, Cage because Cage, he keep could probably so many good films. Oh no, but maybe he could then redo and remake all the classics with himself in it. Is this like a? Is this like a? So you know, like yesterday, where where the guy's the only one that knows the Beatles. If we eradicate oh, yes, all the yes. other films, do we still remember the film? Oh, that's true. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Because question. we could then have a career remaking. That's those what I mean. Yes. Huh? 
Yeah. We could make Lost in Translation. We could do it in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, we could Lost in a different world and city in a different language. Yes, that's good. That's good. You um, didn't think about the T's and C's, did you? <laughs> I did. Yeah, all of those films are made by other people. What do you mean? What do so you they're mean? Not, they're different. So, like, The Godfather is made by Martin Scorsese, and it's a oh. different film. Oh, like, oh! So we don't even get the glory of pretending like we came up with it ourselves. Yes, yeah, I have thought about this. Oh uh, no, that's... I'm nearly fifty episodes into this. Of course, I bloody. <laughs> we try to trick you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'll keep Nick Cage still. I, I think he's just, yeah. I just hate to think what Nick Cage would be doing if yeah. he wasn't an actor. Where would his life be? He can't be buying castles if he hasn't made Face Off. Yeah, you know? and I, f- and I think we're still yet to see like, <gasps> I, I know, yeah, I know. Cage is just ever changing, right? And mm. I feel like this is a perfect time, if ever, to mention the fact that Nicholas Cage was supposed to be in another Charlie Kaufman film. He wrote a script for a film <gasps> called Frank versus Francis, which would have been a musical. Stop, Nicholas Cage and Jack Black. <gasps> oh, which, oh my god! Like is one of the films that, like, when you hear about films that could have been, I'm like, we have, like, as a society, as human <laughs> beings, we have been robbed. Yeah. Catherine Keener would have been it, of course. She's mm-hmm. a she's a kind of Kaufman regular at this point. But, like, That's yeah, amazing. the cast, I think Kevin Klein as well. The cast nice. would have been fantastic. And, um, yeah, and, and I think it's that thing of, no, Cage is set to be in two westerns. I guess the, one of the only genres he kind of hasn't tackled oh, yet is, I don't, is I, the musical. I feel like he would love it. He he is he has that aura. Yeah. There there is an uh, there is a there isn't I don't know. I think there is a great Elvis biopic. But obviously, he's too long in the tooth to do now. Mm. That would have mm. happened in maybe the late eighties, early nineties. Mm. I think would have been fantastic as cage as elvis like i don't know i guess he he flirted so many the superman as well like so many that could Mm. have been with him that i wish i wish happened (laughs) you want to see tim burton superman with nicholas cage right that that is 100 percent. it's just yeah (laughs) yeah he's uh sliding doors moments in that (laughs) career uh, fantastic so um let me ask you this final question, which is possibly the most important question on this podcast. We'll start with you, Theo. What does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Shameless promotion. What I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the Groundhog Day's podcast. <laughs> and you in it? I don't think that's the answer you were looking for. <laughs> I, I was really trying to think about this. I rewatched Lost in Translation and you can you can come up with some really like life affirming, life changing, mm. meaningful things that he would say. Um but my fun facts that I didn't realise that I, I think now I'm gonna put in, in his mouth is I didn't realise Scarlett Johansson was seventeen when they filmed mm-hmm. that. Mm. Yep. So I Hell think yeah. he's saying, I had no idea you're 17. Oh, that's a good <laughs> one. That? Oh my God, that is a very Bill Murray thing to say. <laughs> I had no idea. I, yeah. I've always that. thought she was, I mean, I watched it when I was a teenager the first time. So, you know, anybody like, 
over 16 was like <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> growing yeah. up to me uh but yeah now in my 30s looking back that's crazy to me and it's I, crazy I, I think that would track as well because like uh Sophia Coppola didn't know if Bill Murray would turn up to set until they were there and he just turned up so I imagine it probably would have been late in the day that he actually realised that Scott Johansson <laughs> was seventeen, so that that tracks as a as a possible thing. Oh, shit, you're seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> that is very believable. Like I had no idea. Okay, she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Right, well, the step on Theo's answer here. Here's your chance to plug your podcast. Where can oh, people boy. find Groundhog Games? Or you guys to, to keep up <laughs> to date with what you're you. doing. <laughs> We're on Spotify and all over the normal podcast network, Google, Apple, at Groundhog Dames. And we're also on Twitter if you want to chat <laughs> and just tweet us for fun. And, yeah, those are the places you could follow us and listen to us talk about great things, films and culture. Amazing. Thank you both for coming and making some Coppola connections with me. This has been so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. Well, there we have it, guys. Episode 46 in the bank massive thank you for everyone for listening and i i know i, I know what you're feeling right now you're, you're thinking i'm gonna go head on over to the uh, groundhog dames podcast and subscribe and so you should uh, a massive thank you to annette and theo for for their time uh, you may not have you may have picked up on it in this episode you may not have if if i've done the right job in editing you have not picked up at all i thought i'd uh, i don't know bury the lead on this one but there were some technical issues with this episode um zoom and kept kicking me out of the meeting for some reason i'm a paid i'm a paid member zoom what, what are you playing at but um yeah this <laughs> this recording process uh this editing process probably I don't know, took a little longer than than others but um the end the end product is still is still lovely and perfect this kind of I don't know you've got to wade through you've got yeah yeah you've got to train you've got to train those that wildness out into a, a perfectly civilized podcast episode and i think that's exactly what has happened here um yeah it was a it's a great time again thank you to annette and theo for coming on it was an absolute joy to speak to you and if you're not listening to the movie if you're not listening to the i nearly i nearly called them a different name if you're not listening to the groundhog games podcast do check it out as for next week on the podcast i will be joined by ian schultz to discuss the tim burton film big eyes which has a appearance from our, our boy jason schwartzman we're doing this episode now uh because i don't, I don't know so, i somewhat feel dirty doing this for some for some odd reason but margaret Keane uh recently passed away so i thought what, what better time to kind of celebrate her life and um I don't know, the the crazy story that is big eyes than to uh, get Ian on to discuss this film he'd kind of said that's 
he loves this film so i'm always happy when somebody is passionate about the films that, that they come to, yeah that they're on to talk about so um definitely 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 um stick around next week for that one um and stick around this friday because you will get episode three of um my chat with will chich where we're discussing the entirety of the offer episode by episode week by week we drink wine we have a fun time and yeah we talk about the paramount plus limited series about the making of the godfather and it is a lot of fun we go into probably way more detail than any other podcast uh, i've got a interview episode coming up for that one as well with one of the principal cast members so that will be a lot of fun uh, i've always blown away that i managed to get to speak to speak to people um just the other day i got a message from a director of a nicholas cage film from the last few years who was like hey i got a new movie coming out we never got to have a chat on that last press run should we have a chat this time so yeah um uh, there's a little tease for you for something that is is coming up in the future i'll I'll definitely jump on that i'm always happy to talk to uh, directors especially when they're involved actors writers whoever involved in these films tv shows or whatever it's always a lot of fun um so if you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the podcast for that matter there's there's what it's close to 200 in the back catalog there's probably i don't know 30 I wouldn't bother listening to myself. Uh, that is just because I had no idea what I was doing as a podcaster. Uh, it's always that thing, isn't it? When people come to a podcast and they're like, oh yeah, I'll start from the beginning. It's like, please don't. Please uh, please dip in around around the recent bits and then maybe dip back once, you've, once you're fully enamored with, with me or whoever's hosting a podcast. And then maybe you'll be a bit more forgiving for those early episodes. As you'll notice, a lot of those Nicolas Cage films from that kind of period, slowly but surely the ones that are worth note and uh, worth the time to talk about in more detail and from a better perspective of somebody who knows what they're doing as a podcaster and a host and gets to have chats with guests instead of me just rambling through the plot of the film. Uh, yeah, they, they will get they will get covered in the future. Who knows? We'll be doing this for we'll do this till the sun burns out and we're all crisp. So yeah, it's gonna be a uh, yeah. Oh, if there's a Nicholas, if, if you're a long term listener to this podcast, you you know what? Raising Arizona never got a fair shake on the podcast. You're absolutely right, and I will rectify that at some point, as as will I with many these uh, great films that kind of overlooked on the podcast or kind of undercooked episodes um so if you would like to where was i going with that i think i was i think yeah <laughs> yeah if you enjoyed this podcast yeah um you want to support it you can head on over to patreon.com uh, forward slash caged in pod and you can sign up like it's really 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 it's cheap i'm not i'm not i'm not asking you for a lot uh i think i'm gonna rejig the tiers and stuff like that as we speak make them all a bit cheaper as well let's kind of i don't know cost of living crisis in it so we all need a bit of help and um i don't know i i just want to put stuff out on there not because i desperately want people's money 
I just want to create more content and don't want to muddy the feed too much of too many different avenues and stuff like that. And I really like the conversations I get to have on the Patreon episodes with the Movie Brat Bro stuff because I think it widens my film knowledge. Uh, lets me get to kind of, I don't know, flex a different muscle and talk about other filmmakers and something that is different that in part feeds back into exactly what we're doing here on the main feed soon yeah i'll be here <laughs> i think it's more much more of a, a a task for me as well is yeah I, I really need to get that book club up up and going if, if, if you're desperate to hear that uh the kind of um me reading the novelizations of the nicholas cage films and kind of interjecting with my i don't know verbal diarrhea and kind of mind farts um yeah just hit me up go like, hey petra really get on that um I work in school, so uh, I've got four more days, and then uh, I'm on summer break, so I'll, I'll probably get to it then. I've just kind of uh, been trying to balance being a father, being a um, full-time worker, being a podcast host, <laughs> releasing two episodes a week, and I don't know, still trying to cling on to my sanity as much as I can, so... Yeah, I'm doing all of that, and hopefully it's fun. I hope you enjoy this, guys. Yeah, really, really, really. I, I think people do. Um, so, if you don't want to part with your money, you can support the podcast by heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now, and leave a brand, lovely brand spanking five-star rating and review. And in your review, please be sure... So you let me know, what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Or if you want to get involved with the chat uh, in anything, I, I should have said it earlier in this outro, but I'm saying it now, so here it is. Um, don't hesitate to get in touch on all the socials. So that is at Caged In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd and TikTok. Or send me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. So as always, I've been Petrus Pat Silvers, your guide for the crazy world of the Copeland family tree. Remember to keep it caged in, and I'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. 
Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.